It's a beautiful morning. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. And you're listening to Breakfast with Razi. Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the fuck? <laughs> I know it's mean to say you're green, but you gots to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. <laughs> That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans, and the Anthony of www.wrestling-news.com. I want to thank you very much for listening tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hi, I'm Kermit D. Frog. I am the new GM for Raw. NXT! NXT! Yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA Impact Zone with one of those metal detector wands, and when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the air guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. <laughs> Since youngins do listen, some of you youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cut on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total non-stop Anthony That's what you got tonight Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Hey, what's up everyone? January 17th, 2019 Welcome to this edition of Breakfast with Blossie I am Don Tony as always I want to thank you for listening now, this week is going to be a little bit different. Since Mish and I did Breakfast Soup Live less than 24 hours ago on Patreon, and since everybody who is not on Patreon has been wanting to hear the 100-minute debate that Mish and I had about AEW, you are going to get highlights of that in this episode. That's why the episode runs almost three and a half hours. What you will get is the discussion that we had on Breakfast Soup Live this past Tuesday, the 15th of January. But you will also get the great discussion that Mission and I had this heated debate and respectful debate about AEW All In and a lot of other little tidbits that I think you'll find fascinating. Now, I need to stress something about the All In in conversation. When you do hear it, which is about, I'd say, 90 minutes in, keep in mind that the discussion that we had took place less than six hours after the press conference took place in Florida. It's very, very important that you think about that aspect as you hear it, because when Brandy Rhodes talked about equal pay with the women, from Moment one, our discussion on it was 1,000% correct. I, to this day, don't understand how people got it so wrong online. 
But there are two actual discussions that you'll hear Mish and I have. The second one was basically uh, the fallout from the conversation we had the day prior. And in that one, I actually addressed Nick Jackson with the insurance remarks and everything else. But it got such phenomenal feedback. I promised everyone that majority of it would be attached to this week's Breakfast of Blasi. Now, keep also in mind that the highlights you hear from Breakfast Soup Live January 17th and last week's uh, AEW debate, these are not the entire shows. All right, if you want to hear the entire shows, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Don Tony. You have probably close to a thousand hours of exclusive content there. In fact, earlier today, I did episode 36 of blah, blah, blah. Tonight, Kevin Castle is doing his solo show, Castle Chronicles. So there's a lot going on over there. So you might want to go check it out. Anyway, I am out of here. I hope you enjoyed us. Uh, Check out Breakfast Soup Live, hosted by yours truly and Anthony Missionary Thomas. Take care. It's really simple. The man, some fucking bitch. It's so bitch. I am Don Tony, joined along with as always. Just some guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just some guy. Goody, uh, goody. Anthony Missionary Thomas. How's it going, TT? Yeah, not bad, not bad. You know, I, I was trying to make some lighthearted jokes last week about the whole thing with Khan dressing so casual. And, you know, I actually had a few people that had PM'd me online and said, um, he doesn't talk like that. I said it's, it wasn't saying that he talks exactly like My point was is he looked like a fan with a sweatshirt, and he's sitting next to Jericho, and Jericho's like, I'm going to sign it, and he's nodding his head, and he's not saying anything. 
And, you know, look, I've said a thousand times, everything I hear about him is is positive. He's a really nice guy. His family's got bucks. He really wants AEW to work. But when he sat next to Jericho... You know, I, if I could put a voice to how he looked, it looked like goody, 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 Jericho, goody, goody. And it's, I don't know. It's just the way I felt. Jesus Christ. I know. It's fine, dude. It's- I know. I know it's fine. I make fun of fucking my, myself right. and every, I make fun of everybody. Goody, goody. All right. Uh, goody, goody right. tonight. Andre, Andrade, excuse me, Andrade, uh, Mysterio. Match of the year so far? God damn. Yeah. Wasn't that a fantastic fucking match me and you talked about that last week saying wow we 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 need more yes we absolutely got fucking more tonight man i was absolutely blown away fantastic match top to bottom uh i still want more yeah (laughs) it was really good i like the fact that they're keeping it going i like the fact that ray didn't win because now this is really becoming interesting Mm. and it's it's even more interesting because when you first match up these guys, you're thinking, okay, well, almost doesn't really have the level of experience as Rey Mysterio, clearly. So you're thinking, well, okay, what I was thinking at the time was, oh, is Rey going to be leading the match? Is it going to look like a heavy Rey match as opposed to an equal match? And, mm. man, both these guys blow me away. Like, Rey has stepped up his game mm. from some of the matches that he's had before. Yeah. You know, so you- even with Rey versus Randy Orton, which was kind of a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. So to you- him versus almost is... <laughs> Well, totally different guy. You know, look, we're only 15 days in a year. So, you know, I, I mean, you look at it. All right. There's not many matches to offset it against. But, you know, not for nothing. I mean, we had two Raws, two Smackdowns, two Impacts. We had other companies have matches. And I enjoyed this one the most out of all of them. But I will say this. As I was watching this match tonight, I had thoughts in my mind going back to as far back as Bruno and Zabisco. Yeah. And what I quickly remembered, not that, and it was something I really haven't had to think about for a very long time. But over the years, when the student does get the opportunity to face the teacher, or not just the student and the teacher, but somebody you idolized growing up, now you're an adult and you're in the same profession and you get to wrestle someone that you idolized. Nine times out of ten, those matches kick ass because well, you yeah. just you could you imagine how Andrade would have felt that the person that he looked up to and just emulated and idolized, that he finally gets the opportunity to have a one-on-one, and not just a one-on-one, but a one-on-one that they let them go for a while. They you know, to, guys at Mania. Look, I know everybody's looking forward to Royal Rumble, but this match needs to happen in a big fucking way at Mania. Uh, you know, These two have something really fucking special, DT. Look, that entire match tonight wasn't just a good match because you had two skilled workers in it. These guys told a story. Sure. Every move made sense. Mm-hmm. Every reversal made sense. Even Vega on the outside made sense. Like everything was so perfect to the point where the referee was in the way because we just wanted to see the match. It was absolutely a classic. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely adored it. As much as I criticized Zelina Vega last week for the excessive pointing, I mean, it was just ridiculous. 
It was the 180 today. She was excellent. Everything was good. You know, unfortunately, I have to put my WWE thinking cap on, you know, the my, the mindset. There is no fucking way that WWE is going to have a WrestleMania one-on-one between Andrade and Rey Mysterio. They're doing and just I'm just picturing the WWE mindset and mania and the matches. I just can't see this going another two plus months. You know, oh, no, I I would imagine that they'd kind of leave the feud for a little bit. I mean, that's what a lot of good feuds do. Sure. Break apart and they have some mini feuds or they'll have a tag team deal or something like that. And then by the time you get back to mania, then you get back down to the initial feud. That's happened more than a few times. Yeah. Pence, I disagree. I don't think Vince would team them up. I mean, oh, no, no, it it just it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. I mean, it, it's it's this was great tonight, and WWE will take notice of what the internet is saying. I mean, you know what? You know what? My immediate thought was, we LC. Do you remember that? The the fucking Hornswoggle TLC oh, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. That got so much buzz online. And what the fuck did they do? We LC too, and it stunk up the joint. I'm not saying Ray versus Andrade is going to stick up the joint if they have a rematch, but my point is, is WWE does take notice of the social media buzz and attention. They will take note of and they this. Should. If, yes. if they ignore this match, if they ignore these two talents working so fantastically together, they would be idiots. Yes. They would be just blatant idiots. I think, <laughs> Everything that I saw online via Twitter and Facebook, a lot of people were blown away by this match. I know it's not just us. It's not an isolated event either. You can see a story being built from this. Um, It's not that difficult for them to stretch it out a little bit. If they're really smart about it, like like we were just talking about, I think that it would be great at Mania. But you, you have to give us some breathing room. You can't pull a fucking Usos and New Day and just hammer a six months straight. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the hell out of those matches for a very long time. But it was like after six months, it was like, okay, this is a little too much. Now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So they can do the same thing with, with Ray and Almas. I think that there's a lot to build on there. Right. But take your time. Yeah. Take, take your time. There's, n- there's no rush. Almas isn't going anywhere. I don't know how much time Ray has. But I don't think he's leaving anytime soon, do you? No, no, no. I mean, he's he's has a lighter schedule than in the past, which he rightfully deserves. And remember, he still has the Aralucha mm-hmm. uh, promotion. And, you know, you have quite a few fans that invested money in that. You know, I think a lot of people kind of forgot about Aralucha. Trust me, the people that donated, you know, a G, you know, I'm not saying everybody donated a grand, but... You know, they asked fans to financially get involved. And, you know, there was, I don't want to say a million dollars was raised, but there was quite a bit of coin raised in that. And you don't just, well, he signed with WWE, so I guess that Fed is dead. You know, right. I, I would be fucking calling cops or the fucking attorneys and suing, like, you know, what the fuck is this? So Aralucha is still, you know, uh, raised and is still involved with that. Um, so I'm, they're not going to make it compete with anything. It's just going to find its own little niche and it is what it is. But Ray is not leaving anytime soon unless he gets injured again. And right now, you know, we knew he could still do it because we saw him in Lucha Underground. We saw him work other places, but 
you know, on the WWE level, you know, usually your your style and your arsenal in WWE is usually tremendously watered down. Yes. You know, yes. To, to prolong your I career. Two guys, though, I really don't feel that I. I, I don't know how WWE would gauge a lot of Lucha matches, let alone the small guy matches. Mm. It seems like the people on 205 Live are kind of given an open notepad to do however they want. I mean, I don't think it's as regulated as hard as it is on the main roster. But for Rey Mysterio and Almas, it would only be a crime for them to try and water them down and to try and restrict moves that they can and can't do. I right. think that would be horrible for the storyline and horrible for the feud and horrible for the story that they're telling in the ring. Right. So I think the best thing to do is trust Rey Mysterio. The guy's a veteran, clearly. He's been wrestling for how many years? Almost 30 years. Mm. So let him do what he has to do in the ring with Almas, who's clearly very comfortable, very a very skilled young man, very skilled young athlete, who has something to bring to the table. Yeah, These guys are telling a great story. Keep at it. Yeah. It's amazing right. when you think about it, you know, Mysterio wrestling. It's about 25 years. I mean. Oh, it's 25 years? Okay, so it's no. around that. I mean, because he, look, he debuted, When Worlds Collide was, I think, 1993. So um, I think it was yeah, around 93. in Mexico before that, wasn't he? Right. So you figure, I'm guessing that he debuted somewhere around 91, 92. So it's, a, it's more than 25 years ago. And it's fucking right. amazing because I remember when. He debuted in ECW, and yes, we saw a lot of AAA stuff because here in New York we would get Telemundo, so we would see Ray in AAA before that. And to think that even his ECW debut was fucking 23 years ago. It's insane. It's insane. So, you know, this is good. Can can I make one negative thing? Sure. I, I I know that he has a lot of tattoos on him, but the one tattoo on his chest looks like a bra. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like a bra. It's like I I know there's probably some meaning behind the tattoo and everything, but the first thing I saw was I'm like, did Ray tattoo a bra on him? And I know I've seen it before, but for whatever reason tonight, it just really yeah like that. But other than that, I mean, I, that's just a stupid, superficial comment. But I mean, the match itself, these these two guys are skilled. Yep. Um, now, could we do the 180 and talk about the fucking dumbest part of SmackDown tonight? Oh, you mean uh, the Iconics and... Uh... Uh, you know what? That's actually up there, too. I mean, you know, <laughs> Billy Kay, I wrote this on Twitter earlier, Botchamania, Matthew has material yes. for today. When Asuka threw her back in the ring and he she quote-unquote slammed her head in the canvas before throwing her back in, <laughs> she the, the camera is directly in the face of Billy Kay and she slaps the ring with her hand. Her face yeah. is about two feet away from the mat. It just, it's, again, I will keep saying it. I know I'm not Meltzer famous, so, you know, my insults... You know, are not going to get to the point where someone's going to comment. And honestly, I don't want people to comment on it. And if you do, you know, my answer is so fucking what? Too fucking bad. I mean, I don't get starstruck over people. You don't like what I have to say. Oh, fucking well. I have a right to my opinion. You don't like it? Kiss my ass. <laughs> they're, I'm sure that they're really nice people on the outside. I really, sure. I, I'm not insulting their personality. No, it has nothing to do with it's them. No. Really, really sloppy. Right, but they're. And it's not the first terrible. time that they've been called out on it either. DT. They're horrendous. If they weren't from Australia, 
they wouldn't be in the WWE. They're trying so hard to try to be the, you know, the Michelle McCool, you know, the fab. Right. What was that? Fabulous. Lake cool. Lake Lake cool. cool. Yeah. When they were doing fabulous, it's just horrendous. There's no crowd reaction. You can make insults. I wasn't even insulted when she said she, she like made an insult towards men tonight. I'm like, you're so horrible. I'm not even insulted at that. You know, it's like, just get the fuck off my TV. They're exactly. the drizzling shits. And I think WWE has realized that. It, there's a weird thing going on in WWE right now. All right, because every week I do this week in wrestling history. Right. And, and it doesn't didn't happen every week. But every year you had, you know, a nice chunk of releases. You know, you had people let go and... Yes, we hear someone leave once in a while, but for the last couple of years, it, you know, you don't hear them really releasing many people. And the interesting thing is when it comes to the women, it's like you don't hear any buzz of, you know, there's three, four, five women that, you know, they're looking to let go because they're just not, you know what I mean? It's like, well, uh, what's her name was the only real big name. Oh uh, gosh, what's her name? She wrestled against Oscar, and then she was fired the next well, day. Well, that was Emma, and there was a few Emma, things Emma. behind the scenes also right. that you know they, 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 I I won't say it public because we don't know if it's one hundred percent legit. She was very talented, and a lot of yes. people were confused why she was let go the way that she was. But if you notice, like she never really, like she publicly was blindsided by this, but she never basically addressed the rumors. She never really right. threw much shade. Like she just decided, you know well, what? She also wanted to continue wrestling. I think that's the reason yeah. why maybe that down the road, WWE will rehire her. And I can absolutely see that being a possibility. She's doing just fine for herself. What on impact right now? So there's no real worry about the future for Emma. The other big name that was ever released from WWE that also was just hitting our stride was Eva Marie. Yeah. yeah. He was a weird case, especially when you consider that uh, somebody like Tamina has been with the company for what, 11 years now? <laughs> yeah. But Eva Marie was a weird case because they gave her Brian Kendrick, the trainer. They gave her all this time. She was obviously a big name on Total Divas. She was a part of that, which I did see the season premiere and ugh. Wow. As a guy who's been following the show, it's just getting worse. But I mean, I'll, I'll, I could talk about that in a minute. But as far as Eva Marie, she, since she left WWE, she's done some modeling contracts. She did a movie. I think she's got another movie or a TV show that she's going to be appearing in yeah, coming up. Yeah, so she's kind of taken her entire image and she's gone in the direction that everybody kind of knew where she wanted to go anyway. She never made any secret or any bones about it that she always wanted to be a movie star or a television star. So now that she's left WWE, she's kind of creeping along her path in life. Mm -hmm. sure. um, but for the most part, no, you're right. Yeah. And I think it comes down to an interview that Triple H did a couple years back, DT, where Triple H basically was boasting about the fact that there was like almost 300 workers within WWE and he basically say, said in that same sentiment that we want more, that we aren't happy with 300. We want more. And from the outside looking in, it's kind of an odd thing to say, especially when it's coming from somebody who's so important 
to the company to say something like that when you see a lot of people in WWE on the main roster or NXT or 205 Live that barely get any TV time as it is but are clearly still making a paycheck somehow. Right. See, you know, there's nothing wrong with having that many people when your company is that big. I mean, you look at all the WWE Network shows. There is fucking Zack Ryder does commercials for a fart spray. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's room for something for everyone. But the thing is, is that the caliber of women on the indies, and we'll just focus on the women for a minute. The caliber of women on the indies has substantially improved over the last 10 years. Sure. Not necessarily an ability, all right, because you could go back to the indie scene. You could even go back when she was Alexis Lurie. You could go back, and there were very, very talented women back then. It's just that there weren't as many because there weren't many opportunities that were available. You you had right. Shimmer. You had wrestling, uh, women's wrestling uncensored. Women's, yeah, WEW was one of them. Yeah. You had... Uh, Obviously, had your Japanese promotions where a lot of girls went to. I mean, there were yeah. girls wrestling for Hustlemania and Stardom and JD right. Star, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, so you have many more women out there now. And, you know, I'm saying to myself, look, obviously the WWE schedule is very, very hard. I mean, there's no way around it. Unless you're a veteran and you're, you know, you got less dates to work, it's a very, very tough schedule. Not everybody sure. can handle that. So I'm not saying that every woman on the indies that has talent could handle the WWE schedule. Some of them may not even want that type of schedule. But there are enough women out there that I look at like the Iconics today and I'm saying to myself, how do you come to the justification that these two women are on the main roster and yet there's a ton of other women that could replace them and really, really just put just put rings around them. And I go back what I say before, and I've said this a long time. If they weren't from Australia, they wouldn't be on TV right now. WWE wants a little bit from, you know, the nice international flavor. This one's from England. This one's from Scotland. This one's from Australia. This one's from Japan. This one's from this. Because not only is it a nice mix of talent, but it's right. also a PR thing. Look, you know, yeah. we, they boast that they have all, they represent all these different countries. They have that fucking six foot woman, woman from India that, you know, now they're doing interviews with her that she wants to be a role model and she's going to be yeah. this. And I'm saying to myself, Oh fuck. I read that and I was like, motherfucker. And I don't, but there are other girls right now that are actually in WWE. Rhea Ripley, uh, Jazzy Gilbert is back, a.k.a. Right. the female. Yeah. There are absolutely some talented women that are making their way back into the system, and I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah. So you're right. There are a lot of kind of like, Ugh, and I don't understand some of the, the choices that they have for some of these women. I think a lot of it has to do with international appeal, like you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. That I guess Australia means a lot. But the reality is, is just because they're Australian doesn't make them the best of Australia. Exactly. I guarantee you that there are some, and I don't know enough about Australians women's wrestling, but I guarantee you there's people that can pull out some Australian women's wrestler. I think Madison Eagles is one of those girls that was right. from Australia. Yes, yes. But I mean, there are many, many others, I'm sure, that are a better example sure. of Australian talent. There's women in Australia right now that are looking at the TV and saying, them? 
you know, right. I mean, there's like, so, but right. for, for those asking why um, I made that fuck as far as the Indian woman saying the role model thing, as soon as you make a public statement like that and it's an interview with WWE, you know they're not fucking letting her go anytime soon because no. women wrestlers from India is probably the rarest of the rare. You know what I'm saying? So when you come out public and you say, uh, I'm going to be a role model and inspiration, this and that, and I'm saying to myself, she's fucking 10 times worse than Kali, mm -hmm. but now because of her, where she comes from, that's why she's on the roster. Well, I think the size also has a little bit to do with it. I think right now for WWE, finding... And I hate to say it like this, but it's kind of true. Finding the freak show among the women is kind of something that WWE wants. They want the big girls. They want the women that stand above the rest. That's because a mistake. They're building superstars. That's a that's mistake. That's why Nia Jax, you don't that's see, but that's why Nia Jax, I think, is still with the company. Even after all this outrage against her and, and people saying this girl can't work, this girl has no use, she's not good on the mic, she's not good in the ring, why do you still have her? Because she's big. I'm a big fan of Nia Jax as far as the right. woman goes. I don't, I don't think she should be released. I'm one of the few that say that. But when, as far as behemoths like that Indian woman and others, why that's a right. big mistake. I'll tell you why it's a big mistake. It's my opinion. It's just an opinion. Shoot, shoot, shoot. All right. You look at big men in wrestling history. Now, I'm not saying the women are going to be the size of Andre the Giant or Big John Stutter or anything like that, or even a Bam Bam Bigelow or King Kong Bundy. But... You look at larger men in the past, okay? The 300-pound men, 320-pound men, okay? Mm -hmm. When they would wrestle against others that were smaller than them, the wrestlers that they would... I'm not talking about squash matches. I'm talking about competitive matches. The wrestlers that they would face, the Tatankas, the Owen Harts, the Bret Harts, the Mr. Perfects, and you go down the line, those wrestlers were... 220, 240, right. 215, 235, 250. You look at the women. All right, as much as WWE doesn't want to you know, really face the scientific aspect here, the average size woman is a buck 10, a buck 20, a buck 30 around that. So sure. when you have not saying 350 pound you know uh you know indian woman or other behemoth you know you instead have 260 pound you know right. nia Jax, they say what she's around 300 pounds so let's go with 260 let's even do with someone smaller than nia Jax. you don't have if you go with the men you have a 260 300 pound monster amongst the men Sure. You don't have them having competitive matches with a wrestler who is a buck 30. But now on the women's side, you're taking a 260, 280, 300 pound woman, and you're trying to have a competitive match with a woman who is a buck 20, a buck 30. So, so there are exceptions, though, to both rules. There are plenty of big men that are fantastic athletes in the ring and can work with exactly right. But how many big men in WWE history had feuds with 140 pound men and it was so, it, it, any, any with any success. Name I would me. say more in the eighties. Absolutely. Because in the eighties, a lot of those guys, the smaller guys were made to work. 
look at look at comparisons like the one two three kid versus Razor Ramon. Clearly, that's, a huge size difference. I know that's an exception, but that's what that's what I'm kind of pointing out. The weight difference the wasn't you know it, it was different, but we're talking Razor Ramon was a little bit bigger than a normal size wrestler. Sure. And one two three kid was smaller. But what I'm saying is, is that we're not talking about a Razor Ramon size person. We're talking about someone who might be a little bit smaller than a Bam Bam Bigelow. You have a Bam Bam Bigelow, and you have two, three, four, five behemoths like that, and they're facing two, three, four, five people that are the size of the one, two, three kid. You know, just suspension of disbelief. You might buy the upset once in a blue moon. Sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, it depends on how the match is made. Mm. I mean, if the little guy turns around and grabs a chair and just keeps clobbering the shit out of the tall dude, the tall dude's going to drop and the crowd's going to believe it because of that that medium, that entrance. Right. And the WWE storyline, they'll get disqualified for using the chair. Match over. Right. Well, I mean, that, but that's kind of the point there, too, though. It also depends on the gimmick and everything else like mm-hmm. that. You're right. In a standard singles match, nine times out of ten, the big guy is going to win. And that's the way it should be. There should be stipulations and gimmicks in order to kind of even the odds or change that up. Or maybe it's an elimination chamber and, and somebody comes in later. I mean, there's so many other ways to influence that David versus Goliath feel mm-hmm. in order to give David a proper push in order to win that match. Right. Not saying it has to happen every time as far as big women go you have girls like aja kong amazing kong Mm -hmm. you've got got girls like piper navin you know these are more robust women that have a larger size to them but are familiar enough in the ring where they don't make the kind of mistakes like a nia Jax does and i'm not shitting on nia Jax because i was defending her throughout all that becky lynch shit i thought it was kind of brilliant the fact that she turned it around on herself in order to enhance what she was doing as a heel. Right. However, at that same point, do I think Nia Jax is a fantastic worker? No, I don't. Right. <laughs> no, I do not. But there are other women that are more robust and more full-figured that can move around the ring, that are more prone to having a good match. Like a Mickey Knuckles is another woman. Or, or as you remember her from TNA as Moose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A bigger girl, but right. absolutely but- – uh, Amy, oh gosh, what was her name? The biker chick. Oh, uh, Amy. Uh, you're talking about um, ODB. Yeah, ODB is another one. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's just that when you look at like this woman from India and you are hiring people, you know, because of their size and because they're from a specific country and they wrestle 10 times worse than Kali. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a recipe for it's not disaster, but I just can't see the success in that. So, right. And then Russell is saying it's fake. Yes, I know it's fake, but the whole point of wrestling in order for suspension of disbelief. Exactly. (laughs) That's the whole. I I mean, you watch a horror film, and if the killer isn't scary and isn't skilled, and is just like a or just a reject. It's like, why would you even want to see the horror film? I mean, if Jason was fucking groomed in a GQ magazine type guy, or he was working in a fucking deli, and, yeah, I mean, come on, it's just it's suspension of disbelief. This is wrestling. It's entertainment. It's simulated. Amy Lee, that's who I was thinking of. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, uh, well, 
you know, it's we'll no, but uh, I was totally going on with that um, real quick. And then just to add it in there, but you're right. They keep adding and adding and adding to the roster yeah. and especially the women, like you were saying, but I don't think, I mean, and once again, I'm going up by an article that triple H or an interview that triple H did about a year or two years ago where he was talking about this, but I haven't seen anything to say otherwise. They mm. just keep hiring more and more talent. Yeah. It's there's got sooner or later, there's going to be, um, not a mass release, but right. the bubble's got to burst. Oh, it's just yeah. you know, it, it's just the way it is. I mean, this you is think about the whole tag team. I mean, I know you talked a little bit about it Monday, but how do you think that that's going to affect the women overall? Is this pushing more to the idea of a regular women's show within WWE Network? Well, or maybe- so now with this women's tag titles, whoever is given the belts now possibly has to work two shows a week instead of one mm. because there's only one set of tag titles. It's not going to be a raw tag champion and a SmackDown tag champion. There's only going to be one set of belts, which I think is very, very smart. Yes. But I think what's going to happen is you and mark my words, I'm probably going to be right on this. You actually add up, the number of singles women's matches that have taken place on Raw and SmackDown over the last 12 months. I will predict over the next 12 months, you will see a decent drop in women's single matches on Raw and SmackDown. What they're going to do is they're going to uh, water down the singles division to mainly the big names. Your Asuka, Sasha, um, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, you know, yes, Nia and Tamina do team up and stuff like that, but everybody still looks at Nia as a singles competitor. And you're going to have a much more limited number of singles women wrestlers. You're going to see a lot more people only wrestle in tag matches for the time being. Your Bailey, yes, Bailey and Sasha for a little while, but ultimately Sasha will go back to singles Iconics, um, right. Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville, you know, Ruby Riot. I am convinced that she is going to be breaking out on her own this year. And yes. you will have the other two women tagging up. I see that a mile away. So they're going to focus more on the tag matches, which means you get more women on TV without taking away other people's matches. Sure. So that's where I see it going. With that is, it seems like when you go down the list of women within WWE, if if you go down the roster, it seems very clear to me who the athletes are and who the women with other assets are. Mm -hmm. That's a nice way for me to say that. Or stereotypes. Right. There are women that you look at directly and go, she's an athlete. She's going to be wrestling a match. She's an athlete. She's definitely going to be wrestling this match. And then there are other women that you're like, oh, well, they're an additive. They're they're athletic, but they're They're not. an apartment wrestling match. Yeah. And I guess we could talk about the other horrendous segment tonight. Horrendous? That was amazing. I loved it for one reason and one reason only. And I don't know if you saw what I wrote online, but I fucking, tonight was just just beautiful. When they did the segment of Jimmy Uso at the hotel, about to go into Mandy Rose's hotel room, I watched, I sat back and I watched on social media and I, and the only reason why I started 
watching it in real time was because I wanted a screenshot of the segment that I was going to possibly use as a synopsis pick tonight. Sure. And I, as I'm going and scrolling hashtag for SmackDown and I'm looking at all these podcasters posting, I'm watching show after show after show racing to be first on Twitter saying that Mandy Rose played Jimmy Uso. Mandy Rose framed Jimmy Uso. Mandy yeah. Rose set up Jimmy Uso. Yeah, they, I saw. And then literally two minutes later, Naomi comes out to quote unquote, kick Mandy Rose's ass. And they were so in a rush to be the first one to write about the storyline that Mandy Rose was setting up Jimmy Uso for the storyline. It's like dumbasses. They never didn't bother waiting. Yeah. All I did DT, I threw up a poll and said, yeah, I saw that. You, <laughs> would you? Yeah. If Matt Rose gave you a key card, would you? If I was married, no. Absolutely not. But even if your marriage is on the rocks. But you know who's hilarious? Dude, I'm even looking at it right now. I know we'll get back into it. I'm just saying, I'm looking at it right now. 50%, 50% of the people said, uh, yeah, I would. I don't blame them. And, uh, was it, uh, let me see if I can pull up the whole thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. 50% said they would WWE Netflix and chill with Mandy Rose. Mm. 29% said give the key to your twin, <laughs> which I thought that would have been interesting too. Yeah. Cuz I mean, hey, you know, why not? Yeah. Here, I can't do it. I'll sniff your fingers afterwards. I don't know. And then 21% said stay loyal. Yeah. So, you know, I would I wouldn't do it, but the thing I found hilarious was when Mandy Rose had the the photographer snapped the photos and run out of the room. <laughs> like I'm saying to myself, I, I, I swear to you, I said this to myself. I said, they have to have Naomi show up now because there is no way that they're going to continue a storyline where these photos show up in Naomi's locker because suspension of disbelief all you got to do is replay this segment of SmackDown to Naomi, yeah. and she knows the truth. This is it. What? what? Did she get flashbacks? And I know this might be a flashback for a lot of people. I got flashbacks of the Liz photos between Ric Flair and Macho Man. Right. There was no social media at the time. Right. And we thought it was, you know, storyline. We They played it off as a scandal. We didn't see Ric Flair... You know what I mean? Like having right. a they we it was you know assumed when they did the angle where Stacy Keebler was pregnant and David Flair was trying to find out who was the the person you know she was pregnant with and then they ended up doing a stupid DNA on a pole match <laughs> with Buff Bagwell I think it was you know we didn't see behind the scenes of this being set up or this being set up so I watched that tonight I said no there is no way that they're going to leave this as is. That's why I didn't tweet about it, because storyline stupidity, you know, if you could you imagine next week's SmackDown that Naomi opens a locker room, a, a, a locker, and she sees photos of Jimmy Uso, you know, with his handout against right. Mandy, and um, every fucking per I just pictured little kids doing this. Little kids would, in droves, would be tweeting Naomi next week with a 30-second clip from SmackDown and say, 
Naomi, don't worry about it. It was all a setup. Watch this clip from SmackDown. And what the fuck are you supposed to do in well, storyline? Do that. I think that's why they didn't do that because right. WWE has been far more interactive with social media. Yes. So at that point, you know, Naomi's not going to avoid an entire week of Twitter. <laughs> so exactly. they would have had to have done something, either that or she would have had to react on Twitter, which could have been interesting as well because WWE has been kind of pushing through a lot of the social media interactions, right. a la like Becky Lynch. Right. You know, who well, you know, it too. You know how I would if now. I, we think it's it would have been insanity for them to pull this, try to pull this off. But I'll tell you, playing devil's advocate, how it could have possibly worked. Mm. You don't insi- see the problem today. It felt like a, a roadrunner cartoon. Now I, I know the roadrunner never spoke, but we didn't need to see Mandy Rose step by step by step by step by step telling Sonia Deville. I'm going to do this. Right. I'm going to break the marriage and I'm going to do this. Leave it fucking alone. Let it be implied. We're not yeah, fucking was- retarded. We're not right. brain dead. We could put two and two together and see what the, what you're trying to do. But it's like I felt like like you know for the for the mentally challenged out there that are too slow to figure it out. Uh Mandy Rose is going to do A B C and D. Um but you know unfortunately it's going to backfire. So mm. how you could have pulled it off was not lead with all that stuff. Have the paparazzi guy, the camera guy, make the photos, leave the room, have Mandy Rose run out of the room. Now I know all of us on social media would have been like, that's asinine. She's going to show photos, but we have the video footage of that, of him snapping the photos. You don't say nothing. You don't insinuate anything. Next week on SmackDown, when they try to pull off that that Naomi opens a locker and sees the photos, what I would have done is within two minutes of that segment on TV, I would have had Naomi go on Twitter and Instagram or whatever account she has and just write something like, listen, everyone, you know, I have to, you know, really pay attention to my marriage right now and i really <laughs> gotta take and i have to leave social media i'm i'm going offline for a That's little bit brilliant dude. delete that your social is- media account take them offline don't give anybody a fucking chance to hashtag you or anything like that take yourself well, you online can't you can't delete it but what she should do is go twitter dark and right, let you go dark us keep tweeting her right keep adding her let 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 the the idea grow on its own. Absolutely right. Right. That, right. You know what if they would have gotten rid of the Sonya Deville segment and gotten rid of the "Ha ha, I caught you!" Right. You know segment, it would have been fine. It would have been a lot more. Cerebral. I wouldn't have even showed the photographer. I would have just had Jimmy Uso, right. like you know, like you know what I would have done. This is how I would have done it tonight. If you really wanted to pull that off and really force that storyline, is what I would have done. I would have had Jimmy Uso, just like he did, go in the room. Mandy Rose hit on him like like he did or whatever. And he's like, look, I can't do this. Can't do this. You got to. I love my wife, this and that. And she's like, I understand. Friends. And he says, friends. He get, you know, and they give each other an innocent hug. And while he's hugging her, you just see a flashbulb. Ain't nothing innocent you don't, about You don't see girl. nothing but a flashbulb. And people <laughs> let people think on their own, oh, shit. And then you don't say nothing else, just simply the flashbulb. How do you how do you how do you hug 
uh, Mandy Rose in black lingerie innocently, DT. How, well, how does that I'm happen? into How's brunettes, that? so I, I'm not saying I'm not wouldn't be turned on by her, but you know, I'm I, just I, saying, how do, how do you do that? That luscious woman innocently. I'm just yeah, saying. Well. Uh, I agree, but that's what I would have done. And then you do the locker room thing next week, and then she goes dark. Before you even had a chance to send her the clip, she goes dark. Now, for the next couple of weeks, you want to do it in up to mania, whatever you want to do, she stays dark. Nobody has the opportunity to fucking contact on a social media account. You don't have a fucking do autograph signs. You don't have to do nothing. And then well, even better than that, too, you can have Mandy Rose do things like throw up the pictures multiple times, add little, you know, right. comments. But, but the thing is, is that we all on social media, even Corey Graves and others could say, how ridiculous is this? We we see the footage. We see the, the on SmackDown. We're watching it. How ridiculous. But nobody could get in touch with Naomi. And then right. finally, after maybe a month or two months with her, just totally MIA, you oh, know, they... Know. They do something where they agree to f- to finally consummate the you know the Mandy Rose and Jimmy Uso, and then that's when Naomi comes in and they realize it's a complete setup. It's almost like the reverse of what they did with Enzo and um, what Lana. Yeah, that's what I would have done. But it's the, not a bad idea, and it's it's just a simple thought process in order to rearrange a couple of things and. Sometimes you wonder what WWE's purpose ultimately is, because obviously this purpose was in order to further the Naomi and further the Mandy Rose feud. But you wonder if they would have actually put some real thought into it. They could have gotten them both more over or at least at the very least gotten people to talk about it more than just us tonight. But I mean, on a global scale, as far as wrestling goes, got more people to talk about it and wonder, and are, is this the end of their marriage? Is this, you know, Mandy Rose just fucking with Naomi. Like you would have gotten more attention for this angle, but you're right. They kind of blew it off a little bit. I did enjoy it. I liked the fact that they had the little apartment brawl. That was kind of a I would have loved it. Threw her out the stuff. window. She threw her out the hotel window. Oh, Jesus. My God, I would have fucking mocked out for that. Because I'm just thinking to myself in suspension of disbelief. Well, how do you write that one off? She thought of a fucking hotel. Well, it could have been the first floor. I would have just threw oh, out the... I would have oh. done... The, look, it's the anniversary of Shawn Michaels throwing Janetti through the plate glass window. Can you imagine if fucking Uh-oh. Naomi threw Mandy Rose through the fucking window? They could have used Hollywood glass but they don't want to invest that kind of expense anymore and that's sad even with that storyline that's one thing about the attitude era that the lowest people on the card had storylines and good ones that would progress multiple weeks even though some of the storylines were kind of hokey they still progress for multiple weeks and this is just like come on you can have a little bit of a thought out storyline with this and yes they are kind of low on the food chain right now. But, you know, you do a storyline like that and you try to put it all together and that could, you know, elevate someone a bit. I think the problem with Mandy Rose in this whole storyline is she needs a guy. She needs a guy in a corner. Like, where's the guy? See, that I don't think she, no, I attacking think she's Jimmy Uso. No, she's not a cougar. What do they call those? The, the women that just like to fish. They liked uh, gold like diggers, gold diggers, yeah, not even a gold digger. It's not even man. There's a term for it. I'm sure somebody in the chat room will come up with it, but it's a term for a woman that likes the chase that likes to get men yeah. to 
to, to go after her. And then as soon as they get close, she a tease. cuts Maybe a tease? Maybe a tease. But I thought there was a different word for it. I'm just off. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I watched that today and I'm like, come on. This is, no, you know, not- you know what I got a kick out of also? <laughs> and I originally wrote it. I was going to post it on Twitter and I'm like, all right, I'm nitpicking a little bit. But thought. Yes. Sorry. Thought. Okay, a thought. I never heard of that term before. A thought. Oh yeah, it's uh, that hoe over there. That's what it stands. Oh, uh, a thought. Like wow. yeah, there's a, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, after all these years, I never heard of that term before. A thought. Yeah. Thank you, live hard. Wow, interesting. Never ever heard of that term before. A thought. I've heard it's of a, dolt. It's a newer term, like in the last few years. But it, it, it's kind of like hoe. But a hoe actually puts out, but. You know what I mean? Like a thought is a little bit more of a playful thing. Like they just do it for their own attention. You know, like I'm just saying. Okay. Um, I observed this almost immediately. And I'm sure some of you out there saw it as well. I was going to originally write about it. I said, ah, it's going to come off as nitpicking a little bit too much. When they did that opening segment where fucking Otis Dozovic, who I try to compare as, you know, vintage Rick Steiner when Rick Steiner was playing like the idiot. Yeah. You have Otis Dozovic putting all these random ingredients in a fucking blender and he puts whole eggs in there. And unfortunately, when you try to blend whole eggs and fucking thick milk and protein powder, it takes about three or four minutes for the eggshells to disintegrate. So did you notice, like, magically, it looked like a a beautiful strawberry shake? Yeah. What they did was they turned the blender on. and they blow the Hollywood magic. No, they they (laughs) turned the camera away, and they put the camera on Becky and and, uh, New Day, and then they put the camera back on Dosevic, and all of a sudden the shake was perfectly blended strawberry. Right, and I was like, "Come on!" I, I you, knew they had another one. You knew she was going to drink. That I egg. know that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, are you going to make it that fucking obvious? It was just so cheesy. Yeah, that was okay. They hid that pretty well. Like, I, I know that you caught it, but that's because you were actually looking to see is she actually going to drink that shit. And so as soon as the camera panned away, you knew what was up. Right. Now, the majority are not going to look at that and go, I knew it was a different. Well, they're writing like, wow, Becky took a slug of that stuff tonight. And I'm like, oh, come on. I I know you want to put Becky on a a fucking high horse, but Jesus, you know, at least keep things real in perspective. Ah, Let let them have that one. I I say let them have. Oh, yeah, I did. That's why I never tweeted it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Becky coming in and stuff like that, like. I know people are saying that the edge is starting to come off of Becky. I don't think so. And I don't think so either. But I I think that I understand what people are talking about. I think what it is for a lot of people is that Becky's becoming so accepted as being the man as opposed to when she first became, quote unquote, the man. It was more of a shocking moment. You know what I mean? Not only that, she didn't keep telling you that she was the man. She just acted like the man. And we said she was the man. Right. And that's another big thing, too, which tonight was actually kind of cool because the guys chanted, oh, she the man. Yeah, no, I liked it. And that was the right way to do it. Like she just went walking. I mean, she chucked uh, her keys at was it Braxton or whatever. She can't catch for shit. Jesus Christ. Can't (laughs) catch keys. Come on. Oh, yeah. It was a microphone in your hand. But uh, yeah, I mean, she needs to stop calling herself the man. Like I understood in certain moments 
like when she was cutting that promo on John Cena, that made total sense because she was using you were expecting a man, not the man. I'm like, oh, that's clever. You know why it's she's clever. doing it? it. Works. You know why she's doing it? Because it's, a, it's her catchphrase. Well, it's not just not just that. They want her to talk about herself in the third person. And she can't do what The Rock used to do with Steve Austin, where like The Rock would go on the mic and say, he would actually say, The Rock says, and Steve Austin would say, you know, like Stone Cold, like he would actually talk about himself in the third person. Now picture Becky saying Becky in the third person. It would sound ridiculous. So she's got to say, you know, everybody wants to be the man now. So that's her way of talking in the third person, which I think is fine. I have no issue with it. WWE's got to be careful about Asuka. Because... (laughs) Because you're you're seeing now how much of those backstage segments are pre-recorded with her, yeah. Because she goes out there and you could hear it, like she's got a little bit better English, but when she tries to put four or five sentences together or more, it just it doesn't comprehend and people are totally using Oscar wrong when it comes to promos. I've said this before with Joey and John on wrestling soup, have her talk in Japanese. If you really want, if WWE really wants, they can subtitle it, but I say, no, I say, forget that. Have her talk in Japanese and then just drop like one or two words in English. Like garbage, you know, it's like, Shit like that would at least make sense, right. you know, because you don't know anything that she said, but you know she just called Becky Lynch garbage. Right. You know, it's it's real simple. It keeps everything in her native tongue. It doesn't look silly because at the same point, she's speaking her native tongue. You're not going to fault somebody that's Japanese for speaking Japanese. It's kind of expected. It's kind of what we want from you. Here she is, this great Japanese female fighter within WWE, and it's like... Everything on her is so on point. Her look, her matches, her in-ring psychology. The girl is the fucking nines. The only thing that she screws up on that really takes away any credibility. English. When she's trying to speak English. So you know what you do? You hide the negatives and accentuate the positives. The old Paul Heyman quote line. And in this scenario, you have Asuka speak in Japanese. It doesn't matter if Becky Lynch doesn't know what the fuck she's saying. It doesn't matter if the audience doesn't know what she's saying. As long as she comes out with, like I said, the one or two words you know, that just immediately afterwards in order to emphasize whatever she just said as a point, that's what you stick with. They did that with Rusev. They did that with Nakamura for a little bit. They've done that over the years many, many, many times. Sure, sure. Why they want to turn Asuka into this baby metal pop talking all the time, girl, I, I don't fucking the, know. The one- She's not going to be doing night shows. She's not going to be doing Stephen Colbert. Why pretend? Right. And the one- that always is remembered that was a big deal at the time. And I know a lot of you out there will remember this. When Muhammad Hassan and Davari oh, first did yeah. their gimmick and they talked, I think, in Farsi. Yes. And then everybody was trying to figure out, trying to translate what they said. Right. And it was such a big deal at the time. And then later on, they did that with Kali and they did that with others. Right. You know, it's... When she's in it her works. Neg- yeah. It works. Look, I mean, Kali wasn't, nobody really uh, looked at Kali and said, oh, this is a great promo guy. 
But people looked at Muhammad Hassan and Davari and stuff like that. They looked at them talking back and forth. And the foreign language added to the heel nature of their persona. And it was because of that that more people didn't like Muhammad Hassan besides the fact of when all this happened and the Undertaker hanging and everything else like that. Even though Asuka isn't necessarily a heel, she can still say shit in Japanese and say something else like, respect yeah you know i mean it it could be anything you know what i would that's love that's kind of the point you know what i would love i i would love cuz when you talk in a different language and you the way you say it could sound really derogatory but what would be fucking awesome and i would pop big time you know what i would do i would have oscar in the face of becky lynch and do something like you and let her go on this fucking tirade and let everybody try to figure out what the fuck did Oscar say. And when we go online and someone interprets it, we find out that what Oscar said to Becky Lynch was like something like, um, you know, you I really like your makeup. Where did you buy that lipstick? <laughs> you know, like or you know, you uh, you know, and just say something like, you know, uh, uh, after the show, I'm going to go get myself a latte. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the way she says it, like, you, me, and we're like, what the fuck did she just say to Oscar? I don't know what she said, but it sounded horrible. And then we get it translated and she says something like, you know, I, I had pizza for dinner today and it was pretty good. You're like, just something that has nothing to do with Becky or the star. I would fucking mock out. I think that would be so funny because people would be like, it sounded so derogatory. And all she said was, is like, you know, I'm a fan of American cheesecake. You know, so that's what I would do. I I don't know. Just my mind always, you know, I, I love just like thinking outside the box. I just enjoy it. I just, it's a shame that you don't see that more. Right. Well, it is because it's a it's an easy exploit, and that's what it is. It, it, it's a character exploit. Yeah. It's an easy exploit in order to add to the matches, to add to the storyline, to add to the dynamic between the two. Yep. But your Asuka's main default or, or her main defining negative trait is talking on the mic. Right. Um, AJ Styles Daniel Bryan segment I thought was good. You know, AJ passing out. Uh, so hot dogs and shirts and you know it, it sure. did what it needed to do um the r truth camella thing was just dopey it I always mean, <laughs> i mean you you build up you build up r truth's personality you sure. build up the 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 um the chemistry he has with carmella they do this whole tournament and he chooses a trip to stanford and all you show is Still shots. I would have done at minimum a little segment and you have them go into Vince McMahon's office. Like we saw that photo of Vince McMahon and Triple H with the two. I would have had that been video and have them go in there and just, you know, talking about, you know, this is great. You know, it's an honor to to meet you. And then Vince could be like, we've talked for 15 years. What are you talking about? You know, and then out of nowhere, they do the fucking five-second dance, and they insist that Vince and Triple H do it too. As dopey as that would have sounded, 
that would have been ten times better than a fucking still shot. That was so lame. Was I'll hurting. be honest, dude. I unfortunately for our truth, I he's become my new piss break. Him and Carmella. So whenever I see them on TV, I go do something else. Yeah, it's it, just it's I I have no interest. Look, I know our truth is supposedly doing well. Our truth is a fantastic wrestler. He's another guy. He's a staple of the company. He adds a lot. He's he'll never be a main event guy. He won't even be a mid card guy, but he's definitely an enhancement guy, and he makes people look better. He's a talented individual. He's got a lot of charisma. He can talk on the mic. He's funny. He's a good comedy character. However, Carmella is garbage. There is no redeeming factors of that woman. She's not attractive. She's not good in the ring. She's not a believable. She's she's got garbage promos. She screeches. That's her big deal. She screeches. Mm -hmm. I just, and now she's doing white girl dancing. Like, what the fuck is it about? I don't don't call it white girl dancing. I call it cheerleader dancing. Basically. Yeah. Well, she was a cheerleader. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, just, there's just nothing about Carmella that wants to, that I have an urge to watch her on my screen. So whenever I see her on, I just pass. Yeah. Pass. Pince, he says the video is online of their meeting. Right. We're talking about SmackDown, though. SmackDown, right. they you show even two minutes of footage. The amount of time that they took showing his still shots for another 45 seconds, they could have done a segment where they walk into the office and Archer shakes Vince's hand and says, it's a, you know, it's 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 a pleasure to meet you, sir. Or and then Vince could look at him like. We know we know each other fifteen years, or you know what I'm saying, like just something right. simple. And then out of nowhere, awkward silence, and then Carmella goes, you know, the, the dance, and then they start dancing. It would have right. been a two minute segment. You air that on fucking SmackDown, and as corny as it is, it's better than a goddamn still shot. It's just <laughs> lazy writing. It's yeah. the writing just seems so goddamn lazy. It's not even the writing; it, it, it's the creativity behind the writing because they do write. Enough. I, I think they do a good job as far as trying to write people into the show and stuff like that. Obviously, they even gave Sonya Deville a, a purpose tonight, but it's the creativity behind it that's really lacking lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what, what else was there? Oh, the how can <laughs> we get the Shane McMahon birthday segment? Uh, you know what? Uh, I thank God it was not a this is your life, Shane. Yeah. You know, it, it, I it think it was, it was a little bit, I, I was having flashbacks of like, oh, look, they're going to bite the, the Mick Foley and rock thing again. I, you want to know something? I'm actually looking forward to seeing them to as tag team champs for real. I, I don't know why, but they do mesh well together, even though the pairing seemed a little bit you know, just random a while back, but I like it. I think it's going to lead to a match between the two of them at WrestleMania. Um, And I was thinking about this earlier. You know, look, once again, Lars did not make his debut. And, And I know that there's a lot of people online who are expressing big time concern about Lars. I actually look at it totally different. I look at it like the you know, the anxiety was real, and it's a legit thing. And because he's got to be a monster coming in, they're not going to do a little segment, you know, talking about anxiety. You're not going to see him write this. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to just, you know, hope he's okay. 
They yeah. have to bring him in as a monster. And I'm saying to myself, okay, this might be a blessing in disguise. And I know I talked Monday that maybe you save him for SmackDown where, you know, it might be a little bit easier for him. But I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, you know, you bring him in and um, now because he hasn't up- debuted yet, now you purposely keep him off TV to do something massive on TV. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, like you saw today earlier, Otis Dozovic drinking a shake, EC3 posing in front of the mirror a la Lex Luger. You know, you have, you know, what Scott. About, about him interrupting Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar's match? I, you know, I had said like two or three weeks ago on Twitter that it would have been really cool to see him get involved with Braun and Brock Lesnar, have him debut with a bang. But I'm thinking to myself now, all right, Braun Strowman, what do you think about Lars versus Braun Strowman at Mania? Or what do you think about Braun Strowman and possibly Brock Lesnar? Uh, Not Brock Lesnar, Batista at WrestleMania because they still want to have Batista at this yeah. year's WrestleMania. Which I hope they do. I really do. Do you think the- Braun Strowman would, would mesh well with him? I don't, I don't, I think that would, I'm a little it's concerned. It's say because is Braun Strowman considered veteran enough? Because look, Batista's going to have a little bit of ring rust on him, okay? He was a fine, and I say that tentatively, he was a fine wrestler when he was around. He did an okay job. He wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. But he wasn't horrible in the ring. He was never a horrible guy in the ring. Now, Braun Strowman is another guy who's fine in the ring. Like, do you see what I'm saying where I'm going with this? Like, yeah, it's- you have one guy who, who used to have really good matches or at least really decent matches back in the day. But obviously, it's been a few years since he's wrestled. And you're going to put him in there with Braun Strowman, who, once again, is a guy coming up in the world, but doesn't really have the blanket of time and experience that even a Batista does. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think on paper that would look good, but in execution, yeah, I'm not not feeling that at all. I'm just, you know, like, I know, you know, the idea was Batista Orton, since Triple H had the injury. Um, They were also saying possibly uh, Lesnar Rollins, which was a possibility, and Lars Cena, which is a possibility. But, you know, I'm saying to myself, okay, you know, now some people are saying Batista Strowman. I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe Lars and could he be against Strowman? I don't know. I mean, I just. I don't don't know. I think. I think you got to kind of put him in that scenario. You got to immediately throw him out there with the big guys. Yeah, he's got to come out there and fucking wrestle Tyler Breeze for three weeks. Yeah, he's. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to see the Ryback. He faces two people every week and just. I mean, you can have that periodically, and maybe you'll get a new James Ellsworth out of the deal. But he's got, I think now, because of the anxiety, if he is ready to debut, I think WWE is intentionally holding him back now for an even bigger moment. I hope so. I I really do. Because I think that the guy's big enough that he can warrant a good match or at least warrant a shocking debut 
if Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar is out there, if Braun is out there, if yeah. uh, any of these other guys are out there, you know, like just keep them away from the tried and somewhat true version of here. Big guy debuts, feed him jobber, feed him another jobber, feed him another jobber. Here comes some champion with some kind of belt to sit there and say, oh, you think you're big and bad? Well, you haven't faced me. Huh. And then they go through basic match. And at some point, uh, uh, Lars wins match, probably dirty, not clean, and thus setting up some kind of match down the road at an event, maybe even at a WrestleMania versus the champion of some sorts. It just seems very generic. Please don't do that. Do something unique with a guy who's as big as he is. Don't just fucking write him by the numbers. And that's the problem is WWE does a lot of write by numbers, match by numbers, right. you know, feud by numbers. So are you in agreement with me that Ronda Rousey remains undefeated to go into mania? I hope so. Geez, at least yeah, that would make it's sense. Got, it's got to. It's, it's got I don't think sense. they're trying so hard to make us think that Sasha has a chance against Ronda. It's, <laughs> I, I just don't see it happening. I don't I don't see it happening. I know Joey had some nice words for Sasha Banks the other day uh, on Thursday when we were talking about it a little bit. We, we were hinting at it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not back on the Sasha train. I'm sorry. I just – once I'm off that train, I'm off that train. <laughs> like Ronda Rousey, I like what she's doing. I like the fact that when she's having matches with some of these other women – she goes out of her way not only to perform unique moves that would be considered in her quote-unquote move set, but she goes out of her way to make other people look good when she should be the one that other people are making look good. Like, she gives a lot. And after I saw that match between her and Charlotte, I really got down to understanding how much she's really giving because she made Charlotte look like a complete badass and Charlotte whooping the shit out of her and her still getting up afterwards made her look like a complete badass. I loved their dynamic. They're obviously going to go at it again, and it's going to be fantastic when it happens. But at, at this point, I have a lot of respect and love for Ronda because, you know, as much as a lot of people had this, I want to say, bad taste in their mouth for these outside athletes coming in, and rightfully so. There's been a lot of fucking duds that WWE and a lot of wrestling companies in general have had over the years. I think Ronda was actually genuine and true when she said she loved wrestling. Yeah. It wasn't a false, it wasn't something to say for the cameras, smile, nod, collect your paycheck. I really think that Rhonda has an appreciation for wrestling. And from everything that I've seen of her, I, I, I there's, there's nothing that can convince me otherwise yet. Right. Does it feel sometimes she cuts promos? She sounds like she's almost ready to cry. Yeah. I like that though. Look, I, I, I think I had this I don't I don't know if I had this conversation with Joe or someone else, but when you're that you passionate about something and you really want to knock somebody's block off, tears come out, man. Right. In the weirdest fucking way I've seen people talk shit and they got tears in their eyes, and that's right before they're gonna kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Rhonda having those tears come out or the little verklemptness that she gets in her throat where she's swallowing a little too much. That comes from anger. That comes from passion. I really think that that girl digs deep for some of those promos because she's funny as hell. She's got a biting wit when she wants to, and she can bring it in the fucking ring. Yeah. I just, um, I wonder if they're still going to go with the four horsewomen thing because if you notice, Sasha walked to the back yesterday. Right before she walked to the back, she put up the four fingers. Sure. It's yeah. like this little subtle back and forth. If you notice, Ronda interacts with Charlotte. Somehow, force women always brought up. 
Sasha now interacting with Ronda Rousey. You see Four Horsewomen brought up some way, shape, or form. You haven't sure. seen it much with Bailey, but you've also seen it with Becky. So my original discussion several weeks back of possibly Four Horsewomen versus Four, I'm sticking to it. Maybe, you know, it won't be all four of them in the ring, but I will say this. Shout out to everybody who remembered two weeks ago you and I had a conversation and I said that um, I predict that uh, Finn Balor will be fighting for the Universal Championship. I will admit I didn't think it was going to happen this soon, but no. um, I completely forgot that I had said that two weeks ago. I I I don't get it with Kev. All right, and this is not you know knocking Kevin anyway. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, he uh, just week after week after week, most of the yep. time, just brings up that. You know, like Finn Balor, like he he doesn't see that Finn Balor next to Seth Rollins is the most over guy on the Raw roster. <laughs> Finn Balor gets arguably, you know, maybe not a bigger pop than Seth Rollins, but I truthfully believe Finn Balor for a very long time has been the second most popular wrestler on the Raw roster. And, you know, I just, for some reason... I just always felt like, you know, and I rem and this clip is on YouTube because I said this about a year ago, you know, for everybody out there and, and you could hear it. It's almost word for word when I'm about to say I said this a year ago for everybody out there that can't buy into Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. Nobody had a problem when Brock Lesnar fought Eddie Guerrero. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, you may not or Benoit, who's even smaller yeah i mean ray look i i had to really go back and listen to my comments going back to hotline days and early podcasts to really remind myself but when ray won the heavyweight title i did not like that at all right like it was a feel-good moment for five minutes and then i just could not buy into the fact of ray being heavyweight champion all right, I, I totally respect Ray. He's a Hall of Famer 10 times over. And I've enjoyed his work over the years, but I just cannot buy into him as heavyweight champ. But I could buy into Eddie, and I could buy into Finn Balor. And not only that, you just had Daniel Bryan right. fight Brock Lesnar on pay-per-view where we thought it was going to be a two-minute squash and it ended up a being fantastic a fantastic match. It was yeah. a damn good match. And I'm saying to myself, okay, if everybody that shit on Finn Balor yesterday because of his size, you seem to forget that Daniel Bryan just fought Lesnar and everybody right. loved it. Yeah. So I I am thrilled that they go with I think a lot of the this. confusion comes with Finn Balor's character, though. I think a lot of people are confused. They had him as the demon for a while, and they took it away. And, and that should have been a clear moment where they were trying to leave the demon as, like, a, a backwards catalyst. But now Finn Balor has become the Rainbow Warrior, and it's it's, like, almost as if nobody knows who Finn Balor is. He doesn't have a... Uh, I almost had a street gimmick. That's not what I meant. He almost doesn't have a solid gimmick. Solid identity? Right. And and I think that confuses a lot of people because at one moment you look at him and he's a main event guy and he's going for the title and you're thinking, okay, 
Finn Balor is a player. And then the next minute he's back on the shelf. He's kind of pulled, you know, back behind the curtain and he shows up once in a while to wrestle whomever. So it's, it's really weird because it almost feels like the company doesn't know what they want to do with him until they need him. And I don't know if the fans can invest in that. I don't think that people don't believe that Finn Balor is a good athlete. I just don't think that it makes him believable because his character is so askew. See, I'm a straight guy, but you look at Finn Balor. Finn Balor is an attractive man. So as far as women go and even guys that maybe just idolize the abs and stuff like that, you're putting him out there without face paint. You're putting him out there for the most part just as he is. Um, the problem that I, that I saw with Finn Balor a while back, and I think some of you may remember when I said this, is that you WWE needs this, this suspension of disbelief that when whenever Finn Balor puts the paint on, it's because he's, he's channeling his right. inner evil, his right. hatred. And instead, what it feels like sometimes is someone who goes out to dinner, but this time decides he's putting on a nice suit. Right. You understand what I'm saying? There's a big difference between putting on the paint because you're trying to, tr- tr- you know, channel that real evilness inside to the point where you want to get Brock Lesnar nervous. Not necessarily scared, but nervous, like, what the fuck is going on? Right. He's. It's the difference between Mick Foley and Cactus Jack. Triple H made Cactus Jack a character when he came out, when Mick Foley came out dressed with the flannel and doing the bang bang with the wanted dead shirt. And Triple H reacted like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. You know, Triple H made that moment. And that's kind of the moment you need with Finn Balor. Yeah. Brock Lesnar shouldn't be like backing off or nothing like that. But at the same point, Brock Lesnar should be a guy if Finn Balor's going to come out wearing the makeup and stuff like that. And and we know Finn Balor's cut this promo before. I think it was Seth Rollins way back in the day before he was injured the first time when he talked about where he digs deep and, and everything in order to get the monster out. But it, it's almost like you need a moment like that where Brock Lesnar goes, oh, shit, this guy's unpredictable. He's a he's a wild card. Yeah. Not necessarily. I'm not looking for a one on one match. I'm not looking for a straight match. Now you're wrestling Finn Balor, the demon, and the demon is unpredictable. Does he want the win? Doesn't matter. He might just want to go out there and hurt you for the sake of hurting you. I think Monday, a character should be. I think Monday on Raw, they need to do almost like some voodoo stuff towards Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Brock (laughs) Lesnar. I think he needs to. I think he needs to come out. I think Paul Heyman needs to cut a promo where Paul Heyman shows respect to Finn Balor, but then belittles Finn Balor and then have the lights go out and have some freaky stuff, you know, special effects thing happen that Brock Lesnar has a little like freaked out look on his face. I think they have to do that Monday. I know I always throw storyline ideas. Here's one where I say they have to do that. Yeah. They need to do that. They it can't just be underdog versus Lesnar. And that's what it felt like on Monday. Sure. Vince talks about Finn Balor's size. Finn Balor has to go through Jinder Mahal. Finn Balor has to go through three other guys. Finn Balor, the underdog. 
I don't like that. I don't like that with Finn Balor. I don't consider him an underdog. As far as someone on TV, he's legit in my eyes as a performer. I think that's a big mistake. Look, is he the underdog against Lesnar? Absolutely. But I think channeling the evilness and fucking with Brock Lesnar's mind, I think would Como work and succeed and go over 10 times better than Finn Balor having a confrontation with him on Raw and they're just focusing on, you know, well, this underdog, you know, I'm no, 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 no. I don't want the Mighty Mouse fucking, you know, Neville. I don't, I just let him fucking be confident that he could beat Brock Lesnar. Here's another thing too, you know, uh, speaking also on SmackDown, what were your thoughts on the smashing the the absolute smashing of Mustafa Ali at the hands of Samoa Joe. Did that help his character well, tonight, or, or was that not really well, good? Well, honestly, when I saw that, my immediate reaction was, well, that lasted, you know, two weeks with Mustafa Ali on SmackDown, but <laughs> I just throw it off. I, I, you know, I write it off as, you know, it's. I don't think that's the beginning of the destruction of Mustafa Ali. They, they really, you know, uh, just have a lot of stock in him, you know, will it be in, you know, us title level? I don't know about that, but mm-hmm. I, for now, I just write it off that someone had to get squashed and it had to be someone who is really, you know, got a good connection with the fans that the fans are liking right now. I'm sure. sorry. If 10 comes out, nobody's going to give a fuck Dillinger. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. not many people that could have come out and got squashed like that. You know, so he had to be the guy. Mm, That's how I look at it. Let me ask you something. I mean, speaking of controversy that's going on and stuff like that and things that are popular that are talking about, uh, myself and Joe did a Frank and Gus this afternoon, and we brought up the Gillette commercial. Did you have a chance to see that? Which one are you talking about? The new Gillette commercial, the one that it's supposedly the Super Bowl ad, but it's already leaked already. No. Where it's kind of, uh, it's basically a commercial that uh, is very anti-men for the most part. Uh, You know what? Some people don't see it that way. But for the most part, it's kind of like, you know, all the abusing, all the bullying, all the harassment, all the sexism. You know, men should do better. Men can be better. We're Gillette. We're a razor company selling our shaving blades. But we want you as men to do better because everything is your fault. And that's kind of the way it felt. You know, I'm, of course, paraphrasing and sprinkling in my own opinion. But if you get a chance, I would really love to see your reaction uh, next time we talk or whatever else like that about the Gillette commercial. Because I have a feeling – and right now it's kind of exploding. There's a lot of people talking about it. They're getting a lot of negativity on it. There's obviously people that are completely defending it and saying that, well, how can you hate this commercial? Because this is just telling, uh, you know, men not to do bad things. But the way that the commercial was presented was very much a blanket statement. Kind of, it almost felt as if they were accusing all men of being horrible things. Honestly, I don't want to watch that. I'll watch it and we'll talk about it on next week's Breakfast Soup. But my my immediate reaction to that is this. Just because you have a bunch of bad apples who are cops. Sure. Doesn't mean all cops are bad. Just because you have... Uh, the KKK and, you know, a small group of, you know, racist white guys that hate blacks doesn't mean everybody's racist. 
when you have some men who are sexual predators and rapists and abusers, doesn't, right. doesn't mean that all men are. I agree. Last time I checked Twitter and Facebook, especially and YouTube, that you are banned when you target an entire group of people. And honestly, the Gillette commercial, they could kiss my ass, to be honest with you, because to turn around and to try to label it that all men, you know, that are... are they, they never said it directly. No, but, but, I'm not, I'm not going to paint you in that corner. No, but... It was almost an insinuation. And what I mean by insinuation, let me just paint the picture for you, is that uh, there was a scene where they were saying, well, guys will always say boys will be boys. And they have one guy... Not all guys say that. Corn. Right, right. But they have one guy grilling a piece of corn, and then they show like a row of hundreds of men standing right next to each other, arm to arm, saying boys will be boys as they're grilling kind of like a, almost like a, a, a generalization of this is what all men are like. That's like every commercial now, like 75% of the commercials now, everybody's a mixed marriage. Everybody's a black guy married right. to a white girl or a black girl married to a white guy. And the funny thing is, is that I don't have any problem with it, but if you notice the commercials, they go out of their way to try to make, you know, the social statements out there. And I have relatives who are married, you know, mixed marriages. My cousin, who has the same name as me, is married to a black woman. There's no issues. Nobody complains. Nobody has a problem with it. The problem is, is that people have to force a certain, you know, viewpoint. Yeah. Like, you know, but the funny thing is, is you go watch Real Housewives of Atlanta because my fucking girlfriend was watching that garbage yesterday right before Total Bellers, which was even more garbage. She watched that. And what's interesting about it is when you watch it, 99.9% of the, of the people on that show are all black. Interesting. Right. You watch every fucking commercial and a lot of shows out there, you would swear that every neighborhood, everybody's fucking married to all different ethnic groups and that's just the norm. Mm-hmm. And they force this certain viewpoint and they try to make it so, you know, in your face, like they have to force you to feel this way or feel accepted. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. I fucking say some, you know, blunt, you know, uh, sure. horrible shit on these shows. Uh, most of it is joking more than anything else. Some guy really got angry yesterday because I said, um, Sarah Logan looks like that thing on her face looks like fucking Gumby shot a load or she was playing with a Make-A-Wish kid and the, and the kid threw fucking green paint in her face right before she came out. She didn't have time to wash it off. He got so goddamn offended at it. So, yeah, I do say offensive things on this show, but I don't fucking hate any nationality out there. All right, I fucking get along with everybody. I fucking shaved my head for a little Spanish kid that was diagnosed with cancer. I didn't do it because he was a Spanish kid. I did it because the kid was diagnosed with cancer. All right. Mm. There's a lot of charitable causes, a lot of people who I have, you know, tried to help over the years. I don't care whose nationality is what. Fucking the Conan drive. The guy is Latino. And I fucking didn't even think twice. I didn't say, oh, that's good PR. I'm not only helping the guy, but I'm helping it. So the thing is, is that nobody needs to tell me that I could do better. Everybody in this world could do better. You could be a goddamn cleanest, nicest, most giving, caring priest. You could be Mother Teresa. And you know what? 
you could do better. Every single person on God's green earth can do better. There's always room to do better. These shows, everything that I do, my office, it, hobbies, fantasy baseball, I'm, I'm in the perfect league on uh, out of the park baseball right now. And I'm in fucking first place and I'm up by like eight games. You know what? That's not enough. I want to be up by 30 games. Right. When we're the the number one show on Stitcher, I don't want to be the number one wrestling show. I want to be the number one show overall. It, I, sure. it Nothing is ever enough for me. And it, so no matter whether it's a job, whether it's your personality, whether it's charity, whether, whether it's just being a good person, it should never be enough. Everybody could do better. To turn around and to fucking single out guys to make it appear that guys are worse than girls and black is worse than white or white is worse than black. You know, that's I don't fucking accept any of it. I feel that everybody should be treated the same way and treated with respect. I don't treat someone extra nice because they're black. I don't treat someone extra nice because they're fucking retarded. I don't treat someone extra nice because they're disabled. I don't treat someone extra nice because they got a fucking nice set of tits. I don't treat someone extra nice because they're a millionaire. I don't treat someone extra nice because they have cancer. I treat people nice because that's the way I want to be treated in return. Very good. And I don't need a fucking commercial to fucking throw it in my face because if anything, you know what that's going to do? You're going to get social justice warriors are going to be like, you tell them Gillette and then you're going to have people that actually buy Gillette. I'm not going to buy it anymore. Right. That's how right. I look at it. But I'm going to watch a commercial and I'll comment on. I think I saw somebody actually, I don't know if it was actually Schick, but uh, I think, I don't know. I, I'd have to check Twitter or whatever, but I saw a post or a, a meme of Schick saying, thank you, Gillette. Like, that's all they said. They didn't say anything about the action. Oh, I get it. I get it. Because all they said gonna was, go thank up. you, Gillette. You know, you know, there's going to be a shit ton of people going, well, fuck Gillette. I'm going to Schick. You know what pisses me off? Gillette makes raises for women. Yes, the Venus. And you know what I'm saying? Like, they're singling out the men, but there are a lot of women out there. You know, I say it all the time. You go, my girlfriend loves to watch the ID channel. And I can't tell you how many episodes I've seen where a guy gets shot in his house and the woman calls 911, I just came home, my husband's in shot. Oh my God, oh my God, I came home, my kids have been murdered. Blah, 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 blah. And then by the end of the show, the wife is in jail for murder or the mother's in jail for murder. And the thing is, is that there is episode after episode after episode. But yet, if you follow the real world, no woman could ever do something like that. It's just, there are women out there who are evil. There are women out there who have very um, bad intentions. But you notice how, oh, women, you could do better. Right. Fuck out of here. I I hate fucking shit like that it angers me it really angers yeah, me it, it does and this this would anger you too like i said when when you eventually watch it it's only i think it's only like two minutes long but it's a very very long two minutes me and joey did a full almost <laughs> a full hour really ripping apart this thing like scene by scene because it's a lot of bullshit imagery and it's a lot of, of of just very odd things that they tried to take. Like they took a lot of images from like 50 sitcoms and cartoons from like Mel Blanc and stuff like that. 
And the reason that they did that was just to paint more of the image that, oh, the reason that all these horrible things happen are because this is the way that men have been conditioned since the beginning of time. And it's like, once again, there that's where the lie comes in place because it's not like there's generations of people that have been abusing and raping like all men have been raping and abusing people. You know, yes, once again, of course, there are horrible individuals, but to make a blanket statement or even worse yet. To make that statement about your customers because you're a fucking razor company is probably not a good move either. Give me because you know, fair. If you're not a Gillette fan, you know, chances are you're not even seeing the ad anyways. Give me enough money and I will dedicate the time and make a fucking duplicate commercial and show prostitutes from the 1920s. When it was illegal, I will show uh, Bonnie and Clyde. I will show fucking women who have murdered their kids, sure. murdered their family, cut someone's dick off. I will put a plethora of women out there. Not everybody who has committed fucking evil fucking criminal crimes. There are plenty of people. I will fucking put um, Tawana Brawley on there. I will put fucking so many women. And you see what fucking the backlash that comes out of it. Oh yeah. As soon as you did that, you would be a fucking pariah. Yeah. yeah. It's just the way it is. Honestly, I don't, I, I'm not in a bubble, but I try to live my life in a bubble a little bit in a sense that I'm out there and you know, I, I'm very vocal how I feel about things like that. But when I see the bubble, what I mean is, is that, you know, like I know who I am and I know I, that I'm, yeah, and I know that that's I'm where the infuriate. That's where the in, in, being infuriated comes in is because you know who you are. You know that you're not an abuser. You know that you haven't hit no woman. You know that you've never done anything to try and make a woman sexually uncomfortable. So then why is somebody or a company placating this message to you like you're guilty of all these things? That's where the outrage comes in. It's not because guys are all of a sudden sensitive. It's because this commercial is accusing every man of being these things. Mm -hmm. And as a dude, nobody likes to be fucking accused. That's see, it. See, when Black Lives Matter first became, you know, a regular, you know, phrase out there and we learned the cause behind it. There were a lot of people who were behind it for the right reasons. Sure. But you had people that were just way over the top about it. And then how dare you say blue lives matter? How dare you say white lives matter? How dare you say all lives matter? Like right. it really angered people. And then I realized quickly that the people who get angry when you say all lives matter, those are the people that I just say, you know what? I'm not even wasting my fucking breath on them because right. I know in my heart that I believe everybody matters. Sure. And for someone to try to throw that shit in my face that how dare you say something like that? Fuck you. Seriously. <laughs> that's how I look at it. So that's the, that's what I mean when I say I live in the bubble, those people, you, you can't change their mind. No. You can't convince them. When you see what's going on in schools and you see what's been going on the last 20 years, it still blows me away that yeah. I watch newscasts. And even today, the guy that's getting confirmed for, uh, I think, uh, the FBI or whatever, the attorney general, I don't know who the, the, the guys who he was, but they were talking about how mass shootings have gone up a hundred and something percent since 2004. And they said that victims of mass shootings have up like 200% since then. 
And, you know, the person asked uh, the uh, the per- someone in chat, remind me who was getting nominated today that they did in, in Congress. Um, they asked him, do you think that there's a gun problem? And, you know, he was talking about mental illness and that mm-hmm. we have to make it much harder for, you know, people with mental illness to get a gun. Sure. And I'm saying to myself, the problem is, is that if you have never been, bar, thank you, if you've never been convicted of a crime, Unless you've been declared mentally unstable, which is not that often, how do you prevent someone from getting the gun? And the one thing that I will say until I'm fucking dead in the grave is that the number one reason why mass murders and mass killings are dramatically up since 2004 is because of social media, social acceptance, that everybody is fucking traded in going out with their friends, going to the mall, going to the coffee shop, going to the movies, going to clubs, going on fucking blind dates, going on double dates, that they instead will stay home and they'll text and they'll go on social media. When you go Mm -hmm. on social media and you fucking are an outcast and you look a little funny and your hair's a little funny and you don't have a lot of self-esteem to yourself and you put something online and you see a hundred people laughing at you or you have a certain view and everybody fucking throws it in your face and makes you feel fucking inferior. There's a lot of people who are or have been brought up that everybody gets a trophy, everybody's a winner, everybody gets a prize. And then when you're not treated that way, when you get older, I'll fucking show them. I will be known forever because social media is going to fucking, they're going to take my name and it's going to be inked in forever history. And they fucking snap and they fucking get a gun and they fucking blow people away. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know if that's the actual answer, but to me, the social media and the obsession with being accepted and liked and followed, you know, when you don't get that, people fucking flip out at it. You have a whole generation of people being brought up that everybody gets a participation trophy. Notice how you don't hear that term as much anymore because those people from 15 years ago that were 5 and 10 years old are now adults. And now they're realizing, where's my participation trophy? Where's this? Where's that? Where's this? And they're not getting it. And people don't know how to handle it. And you're seeing more and more people that are fucking, you know, addicted to opioids, fucking socially, you know, just in a bubble. They're in their house. They're in their basement. They're fucking all day long. And their life is just the internet. And you know what? If I'm fucking unpopular and nobody wants to accept me, then I'll just make a fake profile. I'll put all, I'll get Google images. I'll put a different picture of myself and I'll fucking make viewpoints out there that are totally against what I truthfully believe. And now everybody will love me. And right. it's a lie. It's a lie. And, and what's pathetic about it is, is you go on Twitter and I say it all the time. You see 40 year olds, 50 year olds, 60 year olds, 70 year olds that are, writing things and complaining about things just so they could get 50 likes. And I see them. I, and that's why existence. that's why, and that's the sadness of it is these likes, these thumbs up, these emojis and everything else like that. A lot of people are alone. A lot of people are lonely and they use things like that, like social media mm-hmm. 
in order to validate their thoughts, even if they're not their own thoughts, just to be validated by other strangers gives them individual value. It's not real. None of those hearts or those likes mean anything. You're not getting a fucking discount at Wendy's because you had 50 likes on a post. Right. See, but it validates people. It validates them to their own ego. And that's the problem. There's a difference between going on social media and expressing your views. That's you're expressing your views, whether people like it or don't like it. But there are people out there that will write certain things just to get likes. And you could see them a mile away. And, you know, some of you in the chat, I know, you know, a lot of you will bring up Ryan Satin and others. If you notice, that's the first time I've said his name probably in a year. I won't, I won't say, (laughs) well, I won't say anything about him. I mean, I have, I, I don't have not had any direct problems with him. You know, the last time I had a problem with him other than you is with the stuff of Vince Russo, but There are people out there that will talk on both sides of their mouth. There were people out there that want to get attention from the ladies. There are people out there that just want to, you know, write things to be fucking liked back. That's a big difference. When I give my views, I don't give a fuck if you like it or if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. All I say is just respect how I feel. I respect how you feel, and that's it. I express my views on politics and sports and wrestling and other stuff, but I don't do it as a way to try to get likes in return. I just express how I feel about something. You want to follow it? Good. But there are people out there that need... Sure. It's a drug. Yeah, it's a drug. There was um, There's a Netflix special. I forgot what the name of it was, but that's pretty much what they came down to, that social media interaction is a drug. It is. It is. Couldn't have said it better. And I'm not going to play Poppy for DT. (laughs) Have you heard that at all? No. (laughs) Well, you know who Poppy is, right? Uh, Poppy is Triple H's new pet project. She's going to be playing for NXT uh, TakeOver Phoenix. Mm-mm. And the only reason that it's an interesting topic is because of the kind of music that she plays. And she's kind of an interesting YouTube creation media character. Oh, uh, she's basically God. a Barbie doll that floats back and forth from pop music to metal to experimental. What? Yeah, she's a little she's a little odd. She's, she's a bit odd. You know, um, we'll save that for breakfast soup next week. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Want to talk about AEW? first oh sure you know <laughs> i i have i i have taken pride and I, look i'm not trying to butt heads with you or anyone else i've taken pride that i haven't criticized any of the people behind the scenes at all in i didn't criticize conrad because i worked i realize now why and you know originally it wasn't like oh i want to rub elbows with them or anything it had nothing to do with that I realized after the reason why I actually envied Conrad and others. I'll tell you why. Because I remembered, and I never I never consciously thought about it, but I realized it after. I, I worked for the Mass Maniac, and I saw up close and personal how the, you know, the, the sausages made in the world of indie wrestling. And sure. it's not you know, all cake and ice cream. And there's a lot of shadiness involved. There's a lot of scheming. There's a lot of, you know, stuff. 
And, you know, my subconscious thoughts was if you could fucking sell a bag of beans to all of those podcasters where they're mm. dumping $500,000, $2,000 just so they think they, they're going to be treated important for a couple of days. And, you know, God bless you. You know, and if you remember. See, that was one hustle I didn't appreciate because. I know because we're podcasters. Well, no, not even just that, but that's the broadcasting field. More than. See, okay. The people that went to AEW, or I'm sorry, All In, that believed that, or the whole All In weekend, that's our Starcast weekend, whatever they called it. The people that went there underneath the guise of spending $2,000 in order to set up their podcast. Yeah. I, I assume that a majority of those people were just, you know, marks for yeah. wrestling. Mm. But I don't think all of them are. I, I think don't think all of them are, but the problem. Looking for a stance in broadcasting. Right. They're using that promotion. And then for them to pretty much have been hustled. I mean, come on. They they literally had guys running up and down the tables doing 30-second interviews and then moving on. Sure. It was fucking hustle. Can I tell That's you all- something without stirring up controversy? I swear on a stack of Bibles, and if anybody really wants to be an asshole, you can ask Conrad yourself. Conrad never once told me I had to pay him anything. He actually offered me to go and actually was going to take care of quite a bit of my accommodations. It was some things I had to pay as far as my expense to stay sure. there and go. But I, if I was going to Podcast Row, I did not have to pay a dime. So, so I just feel like, you know, which was nice of him to do that for you, considering what he was doing to everyone else. That was very gracious of him to do that for you was to not treat you like everyone else. Mm -hmm. But still at that same point, that's still part of the hustle. You know what I mean? Like it's a hustle. That's what it is. The reality is, is he, I would assume I don't know, but I would assume that the reason that he wanted to invite you there pro bono was because there are a lot of podcasters out there and rightfully so recognize who you and Kevin Castle are. Mm. They recognize that you've been doing this for 20 plus fucking years. Mm. The, you know what I mean? Your name value alone means something, especially to a lot of young and starting podcasts. Mm. It does. You've been around for as long as you have. And you are not a prolific person in the business. Mm. You know, you're, you're kind of could be the poster boy for the, the fan that went above and beyond. And obviously you did stuff in, you know, uh, UPW and everything else like that too, but you're pretty much a fan cast that went above and beyond and has become a staple of podcasting even before podcasting with cool. You know what I mean? So you being on board with all in you being on board with Starcast weekend was a way for them to cover up what they were doing. Right. That could very well be. And honestly, I really wanted to go. It's just that I have the insurance business and if it was just a weekend, fine. It, but it was four days and it really was not worth to go just one or two days. But after it finished, I think some people will remember this I said that All In was a drug. And a lot of the podcasters that were, you know, hustled, you know, and honestly, again, I'm sorry to say it and it annoys people, but I envy and I totally 
praise Conrad and Cody and them to be able to hustle like that. It's because this is a business. I know it's not appropriate, but again, I realize now it's because of what I witnessed work for the Mass Maniac. Mass Maniac was not a schemer or he didn't rip people off, but he fucking figured out ways to get, he would get ticket sellers to spend fucking buy, buy. You know what he would do? If you ever watch an old USA Pro Wrestling show, even the ones that I was on, you'll always see an opening match that the wrestlers are just the drizzling fucking shits. And what he would tell them is like, look, if you want to be on a card, and I used to defend it too, you want to be on a card that has major stars on it, and you want to look back and tell your kids and this is an ad, hey, I was on the same show with fucking, you know, Hall of Famers, stuff like that, then, you know, you have to get some people to go to the show. Okay, you know, I could bring 10, 20 people. What he would do is he would say, no, 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 no. You have to give me the money for 20, 30, 40, 50 tickets in advance, and if you don't sell them, that's your fucking problem. And he would get Travis Blackchurch and all these other people would would fucking just drop thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars just to be in a fucking battle royal and be in the ring for forty five seconds to two minutes. And Travis Blackchurch, if anybody looks him up, I'm singling him out. He was a good guy, but he was maybe a buck twenty soaking wet. Right? You know what I mean? But. Getting back to this, shortly after All In finished, I said it's a drug. And what's going to happen is is that after a month or two, it's going to start wearing off. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be fiending for another All In. I mean, I've said it on probably three or four different episodes between DTKC and Breakfast Soup. People are going to be fiending. When's the next All In? When's the next All In? When's the next All In? Well, today, they announced that Memorial Day they're going to do their second all-in event in Las Vegas. They're calling it Double or Nothing. No, it's their first. Well, well it's yeah, their first yeah, under the AEW banner, right, but right. Conrad is, you know, I, I heard Conrad is doing another StarCast. Yeah, he so, actually promoted it already. So it's all-in, too. It's really all-in, too. But if you remember, when they first did the trademarks, we said that what they're doing is, is they're putting a company behind it of and fans. Dude, there were so many people that were flipping out. They're like, you guys are just fucking haters. You're fucking haters. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, show me one Fed, one promotion, any fucking promotion that wasn't uh, that o- OEW or OWE, that Japanese promotion. Right, right. Show me one promotion that's retweeting the rally, that's retweeting <laughs> the double or nothing pay-per-view right. or liking it or harding it. None of them. Right. ROH, no. Impact, no. no. NWA, nope. Keep going. GCW, nope. Well, CZW, nope. What was nope. What, what because was, they're fucking scammers, dude. What was what was sad today was this. And again, I have to, and I'm sorry to do this, especially to our patrons, because uh, I know I don't have to convince you. You know it. But for regular listeners, I have to do it a thousand times. I have to keep prefacing by saying I've never criticize Cody or Conrad or anyone else for StarCast or All In. And I'm still not going to criticize them. All right. I have to always say that because when I lead into this, you know, you don't want people to fucking say, oh, he's shitting on AEW. There are websites today saying that Chris Jericho signed his contract in front of all of us to show he's committed. Yeah. I invite everyone out there. First of all, this con guy, did you see the Jericho contract signing? No, no, okay. I didn't actually see it. Someone in the chat, please post the quick link 
of Jericho signing the contract with Khan next to him. All right. First of all, I have nothing against this Khan guy at all. All right. But he's wearing like an all in sweatshirt. <laughs> like he doesn't look business like he looks like a random fan sitting next to him. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I, I, I but he, it's going to lead to something tremendously positive. What I'm going to say, because I'm going to say something tonight while you're looking at that, Mish. I'm, I'm going to just, just, just say this. And it's, believe me, everyone's going to lead to something I'm going to make a prediction about with a, with AEW. But yeah. he signed in a contract and I'm watching websites in droves and I'm seeing fans saying, wow, Jericho, he's so into AEW and wanted to see, see, he didn't even have his lawyers there. He signed it in front of us. He cares about us. It's not about the money. It's about a movement. If you watch that clip. I'm pay, watching it right and now. Pay, pay close attention to Jericho's hand. He signs a Chris Jericho. He doesn't sign a Chris Irvine. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a fictitious contract. It's done to please the fans, but people immediately took that like, oh, my God, he's signing it for us. He didn't even need lawyers. He I mean, this is just whacked out out of control. And here's where I give Cody AEW credit because I'm going to make a prediction. Somebody out there has to label AEW this, and if they're not, I'm going to be the first to do it. AEW will be the first ever millennial promotion oh yeah it is got did you ever hear anybody call it the first ever millennial promotion wrestling promotion it is no. i am calling it right now aew will be the first ever millennial promotion i kind of opened up breakfast with blossy last week about it yeah they're gonna feed on people's emotions did you see well, they already are Right. They're totally eating that up. I mean, you know, it was one of the things that uh, me and Joey were talking about in private. I think Joey also talked about it on uh, the wrestling court because he did a little appearance on Julian's show today, too. But uh, we were talking about it in private. He's like, it's just so weird that they come out and it's like, I love you guys. You guys are the greatest. You guys love us, too, right? We love each other. Love, love, love. You know, like this is the narrative that, you know, the Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and all these people push. It's this almost uh, not necessarily a cult status like ECW was. Yes. It's more like Heaven's Gate cult. Yeah, it's feeding on emotion. And you know what? Kudos to them. Because if you're if you can get droves of fans and websites and podcasts to feed into that, it's a fucking business. It's not a movement. It's a business. It's a fucking business. Right. It's a business. And everybody out there thinks that there's some higher power thing. The first event doesn't happen until May. Okay, fine. They got to set things up. They got to buy insurance. They got to set up their roster. They got to book venues. They got to try to figure out a TV deal. And then what? What happens after Memorial Day? Where's the TV tapings? They they said that a second event is going to take place in Jacksonville. Yes. But they yeah. never even made a date. No. I, I'll be shocked if there are more than five AEW events in 2019. How does that equate to weekly TV? 
being the number two promoter. You understand what I'm saying? This is basically all in. Smoke and mirrors that they're working behind. Right. They want to get people up to a froth, DT. Right. Seriously, you look at some of these AEW fans, and they're already worked into a froth, even though they haven't seen one show yet. Right. And, And here's the thing, too. And this is where I give Cody and them a world of credit. I'm not saying this con guy is naive, but think about this. This isn't Cody's money. This isn't the Young Bucks money. I'm sure that they're putting in money and they're putting in a lot of hard work and hours. I'm not taking away from it, but because they have this money mark and that's, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I know it's a negative thing to say, but because they have this money mark, it's a billionaire family. Right. You know, you don't think Cody and the Young Bucks are in a hotel room saying, my God, could you imagine if we can fucking get this thing somewhat successful, the amount of money this guy would invest? So yeah. when you see the pyros today for Jericho. Oh, you mean when, the Rennet Center, the, the Guitar Center pyros? Yes. Great. When you see, when you see, <laughs> yeah, when you see all the pomp and circumstance today and yeah. the rally in the parking lot and this and that, you know what that was designed for? That was designed to make Khan feel like this is a big fucking deal. Sure. Oh, mind. yeah. No, I definitely agree that they're working him as much as they're working the fans. Well, no doubt. Yeah, Khan it's a business. Right. I mean, and, and to be fair, the only reason they probably even got Khan as Tony Khan as a supporter is because of what they did at All In. Yeah, he's a huge wrestling fan. Sure. He's been a Meltzer subscriber for the newsletter for a long time. From what I hear, he's a really good guy. I can't sure, see anything. Not but, knocking this person. I don't know anything about the dude's personality in the slightest. I know I, that. You know. Yeah, I've talked to a few people that have met him, and I, okay. you know, they said that re- really can't say anything bad about him. It's just that it's Cody's job and the Young Bucks and everyone else's job to make this guy feel like he's got, you know, something good going. Um, But the problem is, is that naive wrestling fans and websites and podcasts think that just because there's a billion-dollar relative, and Connor's word money, too, it's not just his father, but just because you got a billion-dollar relative who gets behind the wrestling promotion doesn't mean that they're going to throw $10 million that way. That's okay. They still got $995 million left over. That's not the case. And again, you look at the roster, they said they're going to set up a women's promotion. And that's another thing. Brandy said the women going to get the same pay as men. (laughs) Do do people, did anybody even take a step back and think about that for a minute? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Of course it does. Making the same exact money as Chris Jericho. No, 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 no. That's not no? what it is. Oh. No, 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 no. See, that that is, people online, that's, again, the millennial promotion. That's striking the emotion of millennials. You see, they're giving the women the same money as the men. That's not like the entertainment in Hollywood. They're doing the right thing. No, this, this, is, this is how it works. This okay. Is, this is how it works. Right, you have your main event wrestlers, mm-hmm. you have your upper mid card, you have your mid card, and you have your curtain jerkers. Yes, a guy, a curtain jerker guy that gets 500 bucks will get the same amount for a curtain jerker girl. If no girl on that promotion is a main eventer, 
she's not getting the same pay as Jericho. She will get paid the same amount as someone comparable on the roster. So it's like if you have an all-star team in baseball and, you know, you, you stack a team from one to nine and your worst player on that team of nine might be the best player on a regular team. But when you have an all-star team, it, they might be the worst player out of all nine. So what I mean by that is you could have a wrestler in all in that on any other indie card would be main eventing. Sure. But because they got Jericho, but because they got this person and because they got this person that that same wrestler might only be mid card for right. AEW. Yeah. So so when you say the women get paid the same as the men, no, that doesn't mean that Britt Baker makes the same as Jericho. That means if Britt Baker on on the scale level is lower card, she's gonna get paid the same as a lower card male. See, because I also thought that when when they said that, you know, the women and the men were going to get paid the same, I thought that meant that, you know, the men were going to get, you know, um, American dollars and the women were going to get peso. That's the point. You know, there was yes, okay. confusion with the physical pay. Right. Right. Some right. people thought that if Somebody's they... going to get a loony. Right. So, some people even thought that if they make $300,000 at a gate and yeah. they have 30 wrestlers, that they're going to just divide it by 30 and everybody gets the same. Mm. That's no. Mm. No. So, see, that's, again. That's too. I, I'd, I'd like to see that promotion. <laughs> listen, yeah. there's, there's a, listen, when you have a movie, there's a reason why that the no-name girl that gets killed by the, the serial killer, that all she does in the movie is make out with the guy, and then she crawls in the corner, pees her pants, and gets stabbed. There's a reason why she only gets $1,000 and why the woman who actually battles out the serial killer at the end or the me- or the fucking monster, why she gets a hundred thousand, all right. And it just in common sense business, my father's store, all right. He's got three women that work in the store. One woman works in the office, and two of them work as cashiers. Yeah. The cashiers do not make as much as the woman woman in the office because the woman in the office does accounting work, all right. So this idea that. Well, the yeah, women. That fair? I mean, come on, those cashiers work hard. I think they should all deserve equal pay. There, DT. Well, it's the, the cashiers. They, <laughs> they exactly. You, you, I, I see I what you said. Your job, no, man. I know, but you're right. That's what it is. The idea that every woman in all AEW is going to get paid on the same level as all the men. That's why I I can't say anything about it, about AD. Just- let me, let, let me throw a little kink into those plans, too. And let's say that, you, well, I believe you're absolutely correct. That's what they're going to do. But now you take the example of having multiple girls that are mid-card. Right. And they're all getting paid the same right. as men. How does a girl from the mid-card break it into the main event if there's no incentive to go to the main event? It, well, it's perception. It's how the internet treats that person. It's, you know, how so that person... they'll get a raise, basically, and, and, and it's kind of a funny way to say it, but they're going to get a raise based on their their tweets and their Instagram photos and stuff. Uh, not necessarily. Well, you know what? If a woman on the roster is busting her ass on social media to really get a lot of attention in his promotion and she's really putting in 110% and she's getting responses and re- and getting re- re- you know the the feedback from the fans and mm. you see fans showing up and you know because of her and this and that 
then yeah, I think that that woman deserves to get a little bit more. But the thing is, is that at the end of the day, AEW is the one who is going to put together the card. And it's not going to be like WWE where you're going to insist that the women have a main event match simply because you want to make a statement. All right. Yeah, they will do something like that because, again, it's a play on emotion that they're going to be the first millennial wrestling promotion. But if they do a card and the women are the second opening match, they're going to get paid in the same level of the people who are that the lower part of the card. Right, when you right. have the Jericho level and you have the Scorpio Skies and Neville and others, I they're not going to get paid the same amount as a Neville unless that woman is a major star. And it, it the thing is, is that Brandy, Cody, and all of them, they are very, very smart because they're just putting out very generalistic statements. They're letting the websites, the podcasts, and the fans interpret it the way they want it. Do you see Jericho signing a contract? We have fucking contract signings on TV on Raw and SmackDown every other month. That's not a real contract, but it's a figurative storyline. And what Jericho did today is nothing different than any other wrestling promotion will do. There was nothing wrong with that contract signing today. But what happened? You had websites, podcasters, saying, you see, he didn't even need lawyers. He fucking didn't, you know, it's not even about the money. He signed it, sight unseen, one and a half page contract because he cares about the, the higher purpose and this is giving back. And, yeah, uh, but that's a cold mentality right there. I mean, right? And, they're trying to work a, a fucking, they're working themselves they're into selling a, a bag of beans. It's just bullshit. Yep. It's a bullshit statement. The fans are fucking bullshit. Look, and here's the big thing that really is fucking irritating to me is, is the big argument is, well, you guys just don't want new wrestling. You guys who were hating on the AEW just don't want new wrestling. What are you talking about? It isn't even about wanting new wrestling. It's about wanting wrestling to do well overall. Right. AEW is not helpful. They're going to fucking raid promotions. This came directly from Joe, who talks to his people too. Right, right, right. They're 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 going to raid all your promotions. This whole we're going to have a women's division. Isn't it funny that literally what is it on the 18th or the 19th? Women of wrestling are going to go live on television on Access Television. Right. Well, they can't possibly feel too good about this. It's like the first women's promotion on television in a long fucking time. And now you got AEW that's going to go around talent rating, ripping well, away a brand new promotion. I mean, that's that's exactly ROH. Right. They're going to rip away from ROH. They're going to rip away from NWA. How is this a good thing? Right. But, How is this helpful to anyone on the independents? Oh, but AEW is going to save the independence well, mission. I'll say AEW is going to change wrestling forever. They're going to be WWE's number two. They're not. It's bullshit. It's smoke and mirrors. It's hype. Right. And I don't blame Cody and AEW for doing that. They are. They noticed what was happening with All In on social media. And they're playing on everyone's emotions. It's very, very smart business. You see, it's scummy business. It's, it's scummy, yeah. but that's what wrestling is. Wrestling has never been this 
black tie affair that everybody's fucking, you know. Yeah, maybe in 2019, they dress nicer. They listen to their iPods. They play on their phones. People think that they're fucking like heroes, dude. The whole thing is not just a joke between, you know, soup and fucking DTK. It's perception. It's perception. I understand that, but the perception to these people, to the to unfortunately the marks for AEW is that they cannot do any wrong. Right, and and Cody sees that, and he's playing on that. See, right, but that doesn't make you a good guy. That makes you a scumbag. No, but Look, but he's not. He's not. He's not. It makes him a rich scumbag, but it makes him a scumbag. He's not promising anything, or he's not. He's not telling you one thing and then stabbing you in the back. He is just. Yeah, he is. They did that shit with Starcast. They did that shit. What did with they do with Starcast? The Starcast with the podcasters. And right, but what else. did they actually do? They just said to a podcast, "Look, if you want to be on Podcast Row, you got to give us thousand dollars just for you know." I'm just no, but that was under the allure that they were going to have these sit down interviews with all these wrestlers that they were going to get a lot more than they actually did. It's it's a fucking bait and switch. Yes, That's what the- they invited every fucking podcast out there to be part of of star a podcast row. And they got a bigger response than they thought. So they weren't going to start turning podcasts away. Listen, we got too many people. Listen, we got too many people. Listen, we already got this done. No, they got extra chairs. And they took physical bait and switch, though. I understand what you're saying with, you know, they had the money and they had the the people. They had the 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 the, uh, how do I say the press on it for the most part, to get that kind of money from it. But the thing was, is they promised things that never came through. I watched, well, well, who, who the fuck was it? I was, I think it was Billy Gunn. Maybe it was somebody else. I forgot who it was. It might've been Billy Gunn. Literally walked up to a table, talked to a guy for, I think, two minutes, and then just walked on to the next table. Yeah, that's- and this is exactly what everybody was doing. This is not what they were promising. Now, to be fair, they never promised, okay, you're going to have this much time to talk to each wrestler. But the whole bait and switch thing, the whole shitty con man shit right. comes from the impression that they wanted you to believe in order to plunk down your $2,000 was, hey, right. you're going to get to sit down and talk with all these people on a one-on-one basis, on a more personal basis. Now, if they went through with that, because they had the time, you couldn't tell me that they didn't have the time to actually do something like that. But if they actually went through with something like that, that these people got these nice long half hour interviews, you know what I mean? And they asked more than just questions. And that was the other thing, too, is Billy Gunn was like only talking about the event, was only talking about all in. Right. And I'm not faulting Billy Gunn because Billy Gunn was doing exactly what he was told to do. I get it. But you, but but you see, I, it goes back to what I said earlier about like, Kev. Do you remember when we had the argument? With, I had the argument with Kev online. And I was like, dude, I don't know why you're snapping at me. Because I said to him, I was like, Kev, do you know what you're going to be doing there? And he had no idea. And the thing is, is that I don't blame him for that. But what I'm saying is, is that (laughs) I didn't even know for the most part what was going on for those four days. And too many podcasts just sight unseen, blind, said, Hey, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. When they walked through the door and saw a hundred podcasters all sitting at fucking tables, their first reaction should have been, how the fuck are we going to do all these interviews? If every yeah, wrestler stops for 10 back. minutes, we're going to be fucking doing interviews till five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Too many podcasters showed up and all in said, come on over. The doctor's wow. office. They took everybody's appointment, and there, there was not enough time, so they had to divvy it up. 
it, if the podcasters weren't and here's another thing mm. their website had listed every podcast that was going because that was the very important no, thing. No, I think there was more. I think they had more podcasts that weren't even on the website, DT. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. But, you know, when you look on the website and you see 60 podcasts, yeah, I mean, you should, you got to start think, thinking to yourself, wait a minute. You know, if we're going to do interviews and there's 60 podcasts, um, how am I going to be able to, re, you know, interview all these different people? Because I guarantee you what a lot of podcasts did, and this is, honestly, this is not the fault of AEW because, or, or All In, because the event in the weekend was about All In. It wasn't about the podcast. And I guarantee you a plethora of podcasts that were there, you know what they did before that All In weekend? They fucking sat with their lamp on in their house, with the TV off, with fucking maybe ambient lighting, with a nice little latte in front of them, and they wrote on a piece of paper a, a list of all the questions that they always wanted to ask the people. Which that is they, a good thing. That's how you're supposed to do it. Right, but, but they, me, I never in a million years ever thought that if I was going to go, that I was going to be able to just to do blunt interviews, talking about whatever I wanted to talk about and not have the focus on all in. Whose fault is well, that? For 2000, well, it's still theirs because that was the impression that they gave people. See, that's the difference. I'm, I'm not saying that they didn't get what they paid for, because if you look at it from a legalese standpoint, of course, they got everything that they were promised. Absolutely. But that's not the way it was promised. Right. It's there's something to be said about the wording of things. And that's the big problem with AEW. When you're talking about even the rally today. It's all about the wording of things. You just went through a spiel not too long ago, like about 20 minutes ago, talking about what they actually meant right. by men and women are going to get equal pay. Right. It's about the wording of things. Right. But did they say it's anything deceiving? Many people that like to word things in a way that misconstrue or mislead people to believing other things. That's why when I was talking about AEW when we first opened up, I talked about all their love all the love <laughs> they have for the fans. We're not bag the of beans. You guys are the bosses. It's a bag of love beans. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. And that's what Business. they do. It's Morally bankrupt bullshit. Thank you, Robbie. And, and that's exactly what it is. It's just this, this misleading of character of, oh, this is your promotion. Oh, we're just here making a paycheck, but it's your promotion. It's bullshit did, did the young bucks and cody and brandy all of a sudden eat catnip that everything's about love and family and you know the movement no they saw wow we could really build this based on emotion movement feel look at all look when you got all those fucking podcasters show up that's free advertising. You make them feel somewhat special. And even yeah. though they, they fucking maxed out their credit cards to be part of a four-day, you know, event, you know, yeah, they're still paying their credit cards. But at the end, you know, I was there. I was a part of right. it. I, so, and so now they come back with another one. And you know what? You are, and I'm not just saying this, you are one of the most intelligent people that I have ever come across, do, you know, talking to in wrestling, you know, non-wrestlers. I'm saying that straight out. And a lot of our patrons are extremely fucking intelligent as well. And if we could figure out what 
you know, how the sausage is made with contracts and wrestlers and how the pay scale goes, if 80% of these goofballs that have no business doing a podcast or a website, and the only reason why they do it is because they have a webcam, they have fucking internet access, and they they fucking pay a $10 streaming fee, you know, that there's no qualification, there's no test that you have to take in order to right. have a podcast. And when you have enough fucking matarazzas and brain-dead people out there, and they all, you know, they, they fucking move or they 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 go into the direction of a certain podcast and they all think wow all the women are going to get paid the same as the men but that's what they want you to believe right they want you to believe it but again aew didn't say anything deceiving there are too many fucking morons out there that don't put two and two together again look at the jericho contract he signed it chris jericho he didn't sign it chris irvine it was a work contract it was figurative and here's another thing too when they signed the contracts these aren't exclusive deals I thought that's what it's supposed to be. Well, it's let's see. Let's wait and see. Contracts. Let's see. see wait and see. I, I think I got that one from Joe when I was talking with Joey about it because we, we did kind of bring it up last week on Thursday. And Joe has more information. Obviously, some of the stuff he can't talk about because it puts notice on people that he knows, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, it's the whole, well, we got sources. We're not going to reveal our sources. But at the same time, it's it's a scary thought that if they're signing, if, if guys like Pac – I don't know about Jericho. Do you honestly guys, think uh, Pac is only going to wrestle one time, you know, in five months? But look, if you want, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I I really don't fucking know. And everything is is shrouded in such a weird aura right now that if that is the plan, no wonder people like our, or no wonder companies like ROH and NWA aren't retweeting, oh, look, it's an AEW rally, guys. This is going to help wrestling. Look, let's cheer on our brothers because it's not coming off that way. It's coming off the way of AEW is going to do a talent raid. They're going to take these people uh, that are different promotions. I don't. I'm just going by the information yeah. that I, I've, I've heard so far. But it's going by the I, I, idea that they're going to raid these promotions, take all their top talent, and leave them just sitting there with an open rib cage. You know, Mish, they're not illegal Mexican coyotes smuggling fam kids from their families in the middle of the night. If they offer money to an adult who happens to wrestle, and that person says, "Yeah, I'd go to AEW over Ring of Honor," that's that wrestler's choice. That's well, not well, reading. It's got deeper not, pockets. I mean, look, so, Billy Corgan. So what? Billy Corgan is running the NWA over a twenty-year plan, and his well, equity. You know what? Mish? He's not even worth half of what AEW has, and AEW isn't even worth the amount of equity that Tony Mish, Khan is. Mish, if uh, I if I am wrestling for my family, if I'm wrestling so I can save money to buy a house, if I'm wrestling so I could make a nest egg for my future. And you expect me to say, Billy, I don't know if anybody remembers that movie. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Yeah, Cable Guy. Cable Guy was awesome. Oh, Billy. I I don't expect any fucking wrestler out there to say, Billy, I'll stay with you. 
you know, I'll take a lot less money because you got your 20-year plan and I uh, want to help you build that. No, I'm going to fucking do what I got to do to feed my family, to raise my fucking house. To, caveat to that. Here, but before you get too far with that, here's the caveat to that. If that was the case, then why is the Kenny Omega thing that's such a big hush-hush? Why is there still oh, still Because he's still under contract with New Japan. Yeah, but if he was going to be underneath an open contract, what the fuck would it matter anyways? Well, he's still under contract with New Japan. And if, if AEW... If AEW, see, again, this is the internet hype. This is not AEW doing it. If, if you really take a step back for a minute, just just my opinion, Cody, Brandy, Young Bucks, Billy Gunn, Jericho, they're just telling you a little tiny bit of what is happening. They're letting the fans sure. blow it up any way they want. Look, we already clarified the women's contracting. We already clarified a few things going on business-wise with them. The internet is what is taking it and twisting it and molding it how they want it perceived to be. And again, pro wrestling has always been a not a dirty business, but it's not it's not an office. You know, you may look, it's more professional now because the overall world is PC and you got to be, you know, it, but wrestling is. They literally stood up there, all three of them, Cody and the Young Bucks, literally stood up there and made jokes about, we don't know who the VP of this company is. They yeah. literally stood up, there, oh, well, all three of us are VPs? No, you're a VP. I'm a VP. You're a VP. Like, they literally laughed at the idea of the. Of their they own are smart. They are smart. Con- Conrad is smart. It's a business. It's about making money. It's about, you know, cr- creating a legacy. It's about success. It's about, you know, playing on emotions. And they are. It's, and they are. And they're doing it brilliantly. And I, again, I, I just, I can't criticize them because if i played here everything that was said there was nothing that was said that was deceiving the jericho contracting is what we would see on any other promotion any other day why because the letters are aew the contract now must be real but when you again you have websites saying you know, oh, he didn't even need lawyers. He signed it in front of us. That's how much he mean it means to him. But the, you know, I up until Memorial Day, I think a lot of these wrestlers will wrestle other places. I want to see what happens after Memorial Day. I want to see if Pac only wrestles for AEW because right. if he's still able to wrestle for other promotions, even if it's only Japan or UK or something. What it, to me that they're just another indie fed like any anyone else, which is not a bad thing, but the internet is the one that's blowing it up and making it come across oh, as this gigantic conglomerate. And you know what? This is helping Cody because he could go back to Khan and say, "Look, look, AEW is trending on Twitter." No, of course. Oh my God, million dollars! You know what I'm yeah, saying? Khan- the Jacksonville Jaguars have never had this kind of exposure. Right. I mean, AEW is is absolutely wrestling fans for the most part are very hot and cold, very hot and cold. And right now, there's a lot of people that are very hot on AEW that they take everything that they see and they hear at face value, and that's it. 
and while you know, I I I thank you for the compliment earlier. You know, uh, I'm susceptible too to being confused and, and being misled because sometimes I take things in situations where you would not expect this kind of kayfabe to exist, especially when it deals with the structuring and the branding of the company. All of a sudden you have to sit there and look at it as, oh, well, they're just joking. This isn't actually real. This is all kayfabe, like with the Chris Jericho contract signing. Right. Most people would look at it. If you were in any other sport, any other sport, MMA, boxing, football, whatever, and there was a contract signing put up there and there was somebody signing a contract. You're not going to think to yourself, oh, this is a fake contract. Right. Oh, this is a bullshit contract. Well, nobody did. Today. And that's why and that's why it's slimy and smart of them, because they are working the fans. It's and that's they're going to believe that Christian. Right. But at that same point, they're doing it exactly in the same way that you would expect any other contract signing to normally go. Yes. Exactly. You know, because. Yeah. Wrestling contract signings usually aren't done in a, a, a beige fucking office with a dude wearing an AEW throwover. You know what I mean? Usually uh, wrestling contract signings are done in the ring. And there's, people, <laughs> and there's an authority figure somewhere. You know what I mean? That's that's usually the MO of how this shit goes down. And that's like that for every company. It's always a big deal. So when a contract signing just happens on a desk in a beige office. <laughs> the guy wearing his sweatshirt sitting on right. the side. Looks, looks like he's just wearing his fucking civvies. Of course people are going to bite into that. Right. And and that's and, why I can't say anything negative about anybody involved with Starkiss or, or AEW. Yeah. I just, I can't. I mean, look. I know, I know. I totally, I, 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 I totally respect and understand what you're saying, that the morals yeah. should also match what they're saying. I totally Dude, get Make the it. product exciting. Don't f- here. Here's my thing. I'm all for a company making their product exciting and different and fun. But to do it by f- uh, flim-flamming the fans, that's, that's just shitty to me. Yeah. Doing it this way is the wrong way, in my opinion. You know- and that's what it is. It's just my opinion. Only- I have no problem with, with you know, a, uh, fucking Cody saying, okay, we're going to have these different matches. We're going to try and get independent wrestlers. We're going to have – well, I mean, the independent stuff is, you know, I'm more on Joey's side, and I understand that too. But we're going to try and do things different. We're going to have a different setup for our television. We're going to have a different way that we promote our events and everything else like that, and that's fantastic. But right now, as the company isn't even really built yet, the fact that it's all just being built on buzz <laughs> – is, is is disgusting. It's 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 icky. Why is it icky? You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you, but you know what? The only problem I had with the entire press conference today was this. And I'm not saying billionaires have to wear suits, but I just felt like this guy Khan, and I've seen pictures of him before. Again, I can't say anything bad about him personally. I don't know him, but I talked sure. to people who met him. Yeah. But you know, I expected this guy to come in with a suit, very professional, have a little presence to himself and, you know, make it feel like he is the one that's heading up this company and that the wrestlers are running the operation, but he is the mastermind behind behind everything. And what I got today was the wrestlers – 
you know, running everything and him sitting in the corner going, goody, 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 I got I got the promotion, goody, 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 I got millions, millions, goody, goody, goody. That's how I, that's how it looked like to me. It looked like a fan sitting, because when Jericho looked at him like, going to sign it, right? And he's like, yes, 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 I'm going to sign it. He looked like a fan that was starstruck. I know this star cast, he, you know, he was starstruck. And that's what it came across with today. That's what it looked like today. (laughs) That's what it looked like today. Look at him next to Jericho. And it's like, oh, man, I'm going to fucking make some bucks off of this guy. And you know what? If the fans like the product and the wrestlers are busting their ass and, you know, it's getting good press online and it's selling merchandise and it's selling tickets and it's selling video sales, he I don't care how he looks or how he dresses or how he feels. It's a win-win for everyone, but this just—you remember TNA? We're gonna, uh, yeah, I heard we're gonna that. do the real. This is gonna be the real side of pro wrestling. You remember oh, reaction? Yeah, reaction. TNA reaction. You know, we're gonna be. We're gonna show the real side of it. Come on, this. Oh, we're gonna do this. If if All In was such a goddamn success, why would you announce that you're gonna do things differently and you're gonna try this and try that? No, you don't fucking try to fix what's not broken. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I looked at that today, and it looked like the wrestlers were the ones running the show, and this guy was excited in the corner. Goody, goody, goody. Goody, goody, goody. That's what it felt like. And to me, God bless everybody involved. God bless everybody involved. Wrestling is a dirty business. It's not, you're not ripping people off. You're not being discriminatory. They're doing, you know, the, the right thing with the way they're treating people there. But at the end of the day, it's a fucking business. Okay. Then let me, let me, all right. Let me, let me say this uh, and, and we can move on and maybe talk a little bit about uh, Daniel Bryan. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sausage yes. vendors and shit. <laughs> but, uh, Motherfucker. This is all hype. If, if if everything on this show, for the most part, is 90% hype, right? how long can it possibly last? Oh, I don't know. I you don't know. As, 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 long as, you, as long as you got that guy in the corner with the sweatshirt and the jeans going, goody, goody, goody. <laughs> everybody seems to be, everybody's laughing in the chat room. Hey, I told you, we go where you dictate it, and everybody in the chat room is all like, please, one more time. Goody, goody, goody. I mean, as long as he is excited like that, they're going to keep banging this shit out. The, the first fucking event is five months from now. I, I have no problem with them taking five months. Let them prepare and set things up. I want to know what the fuck is going to happen for the five months after that. Because remember, we're already approaching June at that point. Right, and right. if you remember, I, I invite anyone to go back because the clips are online, our discussions right after All In, you know, it, when, when the drugs start wearing off, and the internet is is in withdrawal. You know, we need more all in. We need more all in. All in, please. We need. We, 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 where's the movement? Right. They right. come back with. Why are they calling it double or nothing? If it has nothing to do with all in. Double double of what? Double or nothing is another. It's another fucking poker thing. Right. All in, double or nothing. Like right. it's everything's going to be based on We're doubling poker. down on what we did with all in. Right. That's right. what it is. A lot of reaction to the all-in discussion yesterday. Oh, a lot of reaction. It's still going on. Too. Yeah, I tell you, I'm not going to lie. I really, 
would love to take just that little bit of discussion that you and I had, give it to Epic Sports and throw it on Facebook. I mean, on YouTube. Yeah. Because I think it would get a wild response because it's such an interesting debate. Well, we have a different dynamic on the thing. Yeah. There are certain things that you actually pointed up, which, you know, you got to be given straight credit for because there's a lot of confusion. And the one thing I definitely want to clear out. There's a shit ton of confusion about the whole idea of equal pay. Did, was I right yesterday? Yeah. And Brandy Rhodes, she, she didn't listen to our clip. She's not a patron. But no. she confirmed. But, you know, she said what I said yesterday. Did, did, right. That's what happens when you got these. You see that woman. I, I don't remember her name, but she was going back and forth with Joey Numbers earlier today. And she's breaking down examples of payroll and says at the end of the day, the men are making 75% more than the women and stuff. Oh, like. yeah. yeah. I so. fucking I, I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but I'm like, you're a moron. Because right. in all forms of entertainment, you can't base entertainment on equal 50-50 equal number based on what she was trying to do she's yeah they were trying to sit there and say that there's there's going to be the equal amount of matches with each gender yeah that's not true no that's no i i don't think anybody's even implied that so no but that's what people are twisting it to be right but nobody nobody's even come close to saying that that's why it's kind of like where did you get that from exactly you know like the equal pay, I totally understand how people are confused by that right. because they didn't expound upon it. I mean, if Brandy came out to about it, well, you kind of did because there was people like me that thought, I'm like, what are they going to do? Pay Chris Jericho and Brit Breaker, Brit Brett Baker? <laughs> Jesus, are they going to pay them the same amount of money? That's insane. Yeah. And that was when you pointed out, and I'm like, no, no, no. Chris Jericho is obviously going to be a main event guy. He's going to be the guy that's out there working 45 minutes. Britt Baker's only been in wrestling for, what, two years Mm -hmm. as a woman? She's not going to be a main event status. you know. But I understood as soon as you said that this is going to be something based upon the rank or the the, the, the The level of the card. Right. Level on the the show. That's what it is. That makes more sense. And that's perception. Right. And that's well, what was the problem was they didn't expound upon that. So there was a lot of people like me going, well, what the fuck does that mean? Right. You know, right. I didn't think of it in the scenario where they're going to do it. Card- right. But uh, you see, here's the difference. You asked the question. People right. tried to give you the answer. That's the problem. Right. Well, I mean, I I'm me. So sometimes I come off a little brash. No, but me. you asked the question. You right. did it the right way. You said you like, wait a minute. Does that mean blah, 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 blah? That's, that doesn't make sense. It's stupid. You asked a question. People put, you put a question mark at the end of what you were saying. People right. were putting a period. Right. And that's the difference. So I don't mind taking my lumps, dude. I, there's no I, reason I, to take lumps. You didn't do I anything wrong. I, I'm already getting my my flack for being uh, anti. As a jealous w- people. Ch- I, no, I understand. But it's like at the same point, you know, I, I'd like to think that, you know, myself and Joe and, and, and everybody else that really isn't completely satisfied with AEW, and we don't believe that they're the WWE killers that everybody seems to think they are. You know, they're not even going to be the Ring of Honor killers. They're going to find their niche. It's going to be an indie wrestling promotion, and right. like I said, they're going to be the first 
millennial wrestling promotion because yes. people are going to feel emotionally attached to it. It's going to, it's going to people. I, I said on Monday that people are going to start comparing it to WrestleMania one when they run with the double or nothing. Like we're putting all our eggs in this basket. And if this doesn't succeed, it's Then we're done. And, and trust me that will come out of AEW very, very soon. And I want people to remember when sure. I made that comment. Another thing that I think people are going to do is they're going to compare it to ECW 1994. Yeah. That ECW had a core, hardcore group of fans, and those fans gave so much love and outpouring to ECW that it forced ECW wrestlers to kill their bodies, even if there was only 30, well, not 30, but 300 people in the crowd. Right. And that's going to remedy. I'm telling you, those two comparisons, you will see that coming. I see that a mile away. But I will say this also. Um, Nick Jackson and a few other people in AEW, I have not criticized any of them at all. But they also need to really uh, avoid certain topics. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah, because health care. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing that's that was last. Nick Jackson. I know he's not going to hear this, but shut up when you're talking about health care, because somebody asked him after the press conference about health care and right. he got on this thing. And you could, as you're listening to it, you're saying to yourself, OK, he's he had the right thought in mind. But as he started talking, he realized, no. There's a reason why wrestling doesn't have health care. Okay. Sure. He was talking about how, you know, office and executives are getting paid and getting health care. But he right. said one day we'll close that bridge in the Senate. Nick Jackson, you're a fucking liar. You, you, and he's not lying intentionally. He just doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I've been in the insurance business for 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. Unless a wrestler is an employee, an employee of AEW, they're an independent contractor. And when right. you have an independent contractor, that means that's a contractor who works for himself. You do not provide health insurance for someone who is not an employee of yours. And I made this remark today on Twitter to some moron who was trying to fucking throw up, well, AEW one day is going to give health care to their, to their wrestlers. And I'm like, yeah. So when my father, because he, he bought the house next door from my where they live, right. and I might be moving there next year so I could be closer to my mom because they're starting to get up there in age. And I think they want one of us in the family to be close to them, to help them in this. And and plus, uh, you know, I would love to. Um, but he hired independent contractors to rebuild his house. Right. They just put up a, a framed the for, fourth floor of the house. They're going to put the roof on this and that. So my father hired independent contractors. Why isn't my father providing health care for them? My father hiring independent contractors to build his house is the same thing as AEW hiring independent contractors to wrestle for them. All right. When they sign a contract, whether it's a fictitious contract on camera and legalese behind the scenes, the contract is for X amount of dates, for X amount of dollars and percentage of merchandise or whatever it is. But. Even if it was a exclusivity deal, at the end of the day, they're not 
employees of AEW. I wish a fucking podcaster would ask someone in AEW, not in a fucking tweet, but on a live mic and say, say, listen, I know you talked about healthcare and everything, but are the wrestlers you're bringing into the company, are they your employees or are they still? They won't answer, that. They won't because, answer it. Exactly. Right. Well, and nobody does that. And everybody's confused about that, too. And they're not doing anything to alleviate the situation on whether the contracts are open or closed. Right. Now, Joe came forward after talking to somebody today, and he said that there will be certain contracts that are open and certain contracts that are closed. So I'm not necessarily sure how they're going to swing that. I imagine that that means people like Chris Jericho are going to be underneath an open contract. Sure. So will Pac. So will Pac. Signing exclusivity deal with Chris Jericho. I just, no one's going to sign exclusivity deals. The wrestler who doesn't want to work too many dates anymore. That actually may have considered. Or the wrestler that can't. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be the smaller wrestler that doesn't have a choice. Right. If they, if they throw down their, like, exclusive or nothing, and you're a smaller wrestler, and you're like, well, you know, I guess fuck the rest of my life. I'm going to have to go exclusive. Look, they could even have in a contract, you can't wrestle for Ring of Honor. They can do that if they want. But, again, when you're an independent contractor, you do not provide insurance. First of all, and this is the thing that nobody has the balls to say, but I'm going to say it right now as an insurance broker. And, again, I I wish clips like this would be online. I can't have this conversation with Kev because Kev is in the music rock scene. You and I, it's a little different, you know, element here. But here's the thing. no, When you are a company... And you apply for health insurance and you go to U.S. Healthcare, uh, GHI, Emblem Health, United Healthcare, AR, whoever it is, and you right. fill out an application, you list on the application your employees. If right. these wrestlers are independent contractors, they're not considered an employee. You put them down on the health insurance application, the health insurance carrier, 99% of the time is going to say, that person's not an employee. We only cover employees. So when you right. hear these people, that's why I had a problem with what Nick Jackson said, because he wasn't trying to lie, but you could hear immediately, he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. He said, right. yeah, the, you know, the office and management, yes, they're going to have health care and this, this, and that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're going to buy a health care plan because they're getting uh, they set up a corporation, their employees. But to turn around one day, we're going to close that bridge. You know how you close that bridge? When a wrestler is an employee of yours and not an independent contractor and nobody's stopping AEW or anyone else from doing that. But they don't do that. And he's talking out of his mouth. He doesn't know what he's talking about. An insurance company would not cover these people, even even if they want. If if the wrestlers that they sign, if Pop it didn't, well, okay. Let me ask you this though, before we get too much further than that, wasn't there once upon a time where wrestlers were insured? It did. They or might, am have, I think of like Lloyd's of London crap. Well, Lloyd's of London, you could buy right now. I could get Lloyd's of London to cover my throat. So, like, if I do this right. as a side job and, you know, look, they have hole-in-one insurance. I actually wrote this with somebody last year. I had someone who did a charity event in Florida. And he's like, look, we're going to do this charity golf event and everything. I want to yeah. get hole-in-one insurance. So I went to Lloyd's of London. And I said, look, I need a policy, a million-dollar policy for hole-in-one insurance. And, you know, they they wrote the policy up. They charged the fee. The person got the insurance. If any golfer would have happened to have gotten a hole-in-one 
Lloyds of London would have paid out. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez has a Lloyds of London policy for her ass. Yeah. So if, yeah, if that's any, what I'm saying for wrestlers, though, okay. That has nothing to do with the company. I, I, I'll give you one more. This is a good one. Uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Ravishing Rick Rude, when he got injured and he was forced to retire from re- wrestling after his match with Sting, he had a Lloyds of London contract, an insurance policy that covered him because he couldn't perform wrestling anymore. And once his Lloyds of London policy paid up and his policy coverage was over and done with, that's when you started to see him get involved a little bit in ECW. And then, you know, they kind of like teased that he was going to have a match or something like that. And then unfortunately he did, he passed away, you know, not too long after that. When wrestlers have Lloyds of London policies, they purchased it themselves to protect themselves. You could get a Lloyd's of London contract for any profession to protect yourself. It's almost like a disability policy that if you can't do what you used to do, like I said with the Jennifer Lopez thing, if anything ever happened to her ass, she got into a major car accident and as ridiculous as it sounds, that's what those policies are. But no health insurance carrier is going to insure an independent contract. If that was true, you call someone right now. If you rent a house or own a house and the fucking roof caves in, and you hire a couple of independent contractors and they're going to work for six months on your house. And the only reason why they're working for you only is because they're there eight hours a day, whatever it is. You don't provide them health insurance. They, the company that they work for. So, like, when you have AJ Contracting, no. AJ Contracting has five people who work for them. So now I need major, major work on my house, or I want a house built. I call AJ Contracting. Hey, AJ, I need you to uh, build a house for me. Okay, no problem. They call, He comes down with his workers, and they build a house. AJ Contracting provides health insurance for their employees, not me. Okay. So AEW... They will never provide health insurance for independent contractors because they're not employees. Mm. It's legalese, and I know what some people are going to say. Hey, you know, technically they are employees because they're working for AEW. I get it. But the legalese of the insurance world and business, that doesn't that's not the way it works. And Okay. Yeah, and Nick Jackson didn't know what the hell he was talking about yesterday. And when you hear people saying, "Oh, one day we'll be- we'll close that bridge," no, that's yeah. When they become employees, not right. independent contractors, that's just well, the thing too. Is that you know, there's a lot of, uh, and, and, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday too. But there's a lot of love. They have a lot of. They're placating to a lot of people. They're just saying what people want to hear. Yep. I don't really believe that half of these goals and half of these major changes that are going to be taking place are going to be anything as magnanimous as it's being presented as. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of illusion. It's a lot of false promises. And I think, unfortunately, and 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 the basis of this is because it, if there's a simple rule, there's a simple quote that's existed since, I don't know, before my grandfathers were even born, but... If it's too good to be true, it is. Right. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're selling. You look, there's no nothing wrong with reaching for the stars, trying to predict ultimate success. And this leads to Adam DeMoy's question. 
you know, when you got, you know, Tony Khan sitting in the corner, like we said yesterday, goody, goody, goody. You know, of course they have to make it sound like, you know, the ultimate alternative in wrestling. You know, well, they I, just did uh, not not to, to cut you off there, but right. ESPN just did a nice detailed uh, article about Tony Khan and Shad Khan, mm. and uh, they had an interview with Shad Khan, pretty much saying, "I'm just the benefactor in this. Tony Khan is actually taking a leadership role, but Shad Khan is very aware, and he is uh, uh, he even said he's a I'm a financial benefactor in this. So the idea that the backing is only a hundred million might be that much on the surface, but Shad Khan, the dad, absolutely has an invested stake in this as well. See, because that was a big misconception too, right. is that we all believed it was just going to be Tony Khan, the director and the, the the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the various football clubs that's going to be behind AEW. He is on the leadership role position, but daddy's involved too. Right. So this becomes a lot more interesting because Daddy is is uh, has a uh, what is it an equity of seven point four billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, not that he would ever use seven point four billion dollars for AEW, but that kind of does change the taste of AEW a little bit. It does kind of expand this, and I was kind of grateful for the ESPN article. Yeah, you know, see, ESPN covers areas that other people wouldn't even think of covering with that. Mm-hmm. And that, Adam, that should answer your question because uh, he said Tony Khan reminds him of the Richard Pryor movie, The Toy. I don't know if you remember that movie. Yes, that's a class. That, that was a great fucking comparison. I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't. See, this all could be perception as well because I'm not saying that Tony Khan has no money. It's obviously not true. He's got money. Oh, he's but, got money. He's doing well for himself. It's just he's he's worth. Oh, I saw something like that. He's worth like around. He's worth around a hundred million. Right, is what it is. His his actual equity is around one hundred million. Daddy's the billionaire. Right, he's but if he the, if he goes back to daddy and say, Daddy, Daddy, I want to check. You know, what I mean, like I I need to see how Tony Khan's father is involved go. with this. Here's the here's the exact quote from Shad Khan. He says, "I am the lead investor." I am a supporter and the backer of All Elite Wrestling, and I anticipate great things today and in the future for AEW and everyone who has worked passionately on this week's launch. Uh, I know AEW will be welcomed by wrestling fans here in the U.S. and throughout the world who are ready for something new and authentic. AEW will work hard to deliver on its promise. Uh, He goes on from independent from his other business interests and will not divert attention or resources from any other of his team's projects or investments. Ah. Tony Khan will serve as a leadership role in the new company while continuing to serve his current capacities with the Jaguars and Fulham FC, which is a football club. So there you go. His invested money is that's that's what's on the table. Right. He's not going to start bleeding out, which which was it's a very poignant statement. Right. Because and it sounds honest. Yeah, he seems very direct about it. Yeah, that's what they needed in all of this. Because like I said yesterday, you know, there's nothing wrong with millionaires dressing in sweatshirts and jeans. Right. But that, just that aura yesterday of watching that and seeing, you know, Tony Khan in the corner. Yeah, yeah. It it was like, you know, like a different, it felt like Dixie Carter. 
Right. It felt like Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter with daddy's money. You know, putting all was the that Tony or is that Shad? I thought that was Shad. What do you mean, Shad? That was the the picture of the dude with the giant mustache. No, 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 no. Tony Khan was um, was there yesterday also, and Tony Khan was just very like dressed down and you know didn't. Right, right. Tony Khan is the one I thought that was signing Chris Jericho. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that everything was focused around Tony Khan yesterday. He, look, he sat on the side. But yes. what I'm saying is is that the the perception I got of Tony Khan watching that yesterday is the same perception I got of Dixie Carter. That Dixie Carter has money, but her father has the bucks. And right. Dixie Carter was starstruck over, you know, the Hogan's, the Angles, and the others. And Dixie truly worked her ass off to try to make it work. She but, did. you know, you look back on it. You know, look, Jeff Hardy, you know, they, they allowed him to work inebriated. Kurt Angle with all the DWIs, and they just turned, you know, they just were in denial. They would just try to cut. They just did not take a hard-nosed approach because Dixie Carter was in a corner. She couldn't afford to have Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle and others be removed from the roster because they were so important. It just, when it came to the point of no return and she had no choice, you know, that's when, you know, it was all or nothing, pun intended. Right. Um, so Tony Khan just did not, other than the fact that, I, you know, like I, I felt like if I was a girl yesterday there and it was a nightclub, I would be like, oh, he, you know, I'm going to try to pick him up. He's got, he's, he's got, a, he's a multi hundred dollar, hundred million dollar guy. His family's a billionaire. I'm going right. to try to pick this guy up and fucking get some squeeze some money out of him. That's the perception I got from him yesterday, even though I know he's not that way. But they needed his father to basically say, look, you know, I'm the, uh, I'm uh, the man. Yeah. I'm the man. Right. And, and that's weird, too, because I don't want to sit there and say that, you know, his father's the only legit one. I mean, Tony Khan does have the Jacksonville Jaguars and a, and a, yeah. and a successful soccer team. So he's doing OK for himself. Absolutely. It's just that people are already kind of gathering the Dixie Carter feel with Tony Khan, even though it's not justified, but we've seen it before. You know what I mean? So when people are automatically placing Tony Khan as being, well, he's going to be a Dixie Carter, there is legitimate reason for fans to believe that because this has happened multiple times. I agree with you. And, And you know what? I will use the Jacksonville Jaguars as an example. The Jacksonville Jaguars, just pretending. Okay. Signs Tom Brady. Just say it. Signs Tom Brady. Anybody you want in football. Major, major star. A young Tom Brady. And they're going to have a contract signing or press conference on TV. Yes. I don't think the owner would have been sitting in the corner wearing a sweatshirt and jeans you know, having that goody, goody, goody look. Right, they, right. That person's going to come out with a fucking Armani suit. Yep. He's going to be shaking hands and looking at the camera and hugging Tom Brady. Yes. Oh, and, you're absolutely And right. Tony Khan, nothing against you, brother, but perception. Just use, take out wrestling, put Jaguars in its place. How would this be perceived if we just signed the number one draft pick or the biggest sure. fucking free agent around. 
it would be professional. Even when WCW used to, or even WWF back in the day, when they used to have these quote-unquote big press conferences and it was the worked media where it was just employees pretending to be, you know, here's a good one. Hogan, when he signed with WCW and they were in Florida and he signed the contract in front, they had legitimate news people there. But they also had plants that were asking him dopey, corny questions. They tried to make it feel, have that really big feel to it. And they didn't have somebody in the corner with a sweatshirt. You know what I'm saying? So that just, but you see the people online, they don't care about that. See, but that's the other thing too, is that you even pointed out with the Chris Jericho signings and stuff like that. People are under the perception to believe they want to buy into the hype. Absolutely. They want to believe that AEW is going to be the WWE killer. Mm-hmm. And now there are level-headed people out there that are like, oh, I want to see what happens to AEW. They got a lot of chips in their corner, which they do. They have maybe not an unlimited funding, but it's a hell of a good fucking uh, pot to start with in order to get whatever you know uh, employees they want. Mm-hmm. They seem to have the fans' interests at heart. At least that's what they're saying on the surface. There's a lot of fans I believe like, I I just want to see where this goes. But there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that are just just bait, hook, fucking reel them in. Sure. Every single one of them. And unfortunately, I mean, some of this stuff is is crazy. Like the whole AEW people getting kicked out for wearing AEW merchandise from SmackDown. That's bullshit. Sure. The, the the turd thing I found out was was kind of fake though too. Yeah, I saw there That's was that post. was uh somebody tweeted that like a year or two ago and uh, a soccer team, right? Yeah, right. it's a funny post. So I did kind of laugh. <laughs> it was worth getting a good laugh. It was out. yeah, it was a giggle. But yeah. the reality is, is they were still considered to be. They were supposedly trying to be disruptive. Sure. So from what I understood is, yeah, the shit isn't real, but the disruption of, of them chanting ECW at people or AEW, ECW, huh? AEW at people and, and screaming at people. Supposedly that was legit. They were yeah. being complete dicks. Yeah, there were so, a couple yeah, of fan accounts of that yesterday online. Yeah, they were removed for not the merchandise or removed for being assholes. Right. You know, it's just it's but this is the kind of fans that this is garnering. They're not garnering. They're not garnering a wrestling fan. Listen, we got They're thrown out. Fanatics. We got thrown out of CZW when XPW came to the Northeast. Mm. All right? I told part of this story before, but this is true. Yeah. When um, XPW was coming to the Northeast in 2002, yeah, I was approached you know, to do work for them in this and that. And one of the right. things that we wanted to do was they were going to have their first ever event in the ECW arena called Hostile Takeover. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that you had the Bob McGee's, the asshole dickhead. Can't believe he's still alive. And I, and I, I don't wish death on him, but he's just a fucking asshole. I thought by now he would just die a miserable death. Mm. The Mike Johnsons and all the other morons at that time that were doing everything impossible to prevent them from having shows there. Fucking right. with them with the state athletic commission. I already I talked about that time where they were going to have this emergency. People don't even know about the emergency meeting with the state athletic commission and representatives of WWF, um, ECW. I don't, I don't remember who else, but XPW and others. And I remember Frank Talent, God rest his soul, was involved with this. And I always remember Bill Apter. 
telling Shane Douglas the day of this meeting, like, you know, do, do you want me to talk to, like, Ring of Honor and try to, like, smooth things out and this and that? Like, they weren't trying to start shit. I think Ring of Honor knew that Shane Douglas and them weren't the ones, but they just could not accept Rob Black coming to the Northeast. They did everything to sabotage them. So to get press in that area was impossible. You no. had this Bob McGee putting flyers in people's houses. Porn is coming to your neighborhood. So <laughs> what happened was CZW was having an event about a month, two weeks before hostile takeover. And we had no street team in Pennsylvania to do it. Mm. So we said, fuck it. It was myself, Brian Damage, Matt Zombie, and I even think Timmy Arson. We drove from New York to Philly. We got tickets for CZW, and we went to the CZW event. And I don't remember if this is the event where Xander got all hung on meat hooks or something like that, but I remember going in there, and my jaw was dropped at the level of hardcore insanity. It was a good card, but the only reason why we were there was to flyer every car in the parking lot, to flyer... You know the 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 surrounding blocks, right, right. and then we went to the event, and we were going to pass around flyers inside the building. This is a true story. I swear on my mother. I mean, there's people like see that's the thing. When I tell stories about XPW, there's jealous haters that are like, "Oh, he's full of shit. He didn't do this." The difference is is that the people that witnessed this are still alive. Right. Anything. Notice how anything I ever tell. Nobody ever calls me out on it. The only person that ever really challenged something that I said and it was sent indirectly to that person is the night that uh, Loki threw a chair and it almost hit Tammy Sitch. Mm-hmm. All right? And somebody had asked her about it online. She's like, no, that never happened. And, you know, I she didn't want to stir things up and this and that, but the mass maniac is still alive and he will tell you. I was there. It was, I had, this is, this is the story with that. And I'll be quick. Um, XPW needed to rent uh, guardrails for Mm -hmm. one of their Philly events. And Ken Scampi, who uh, is a really good guy. And it was an indie star here in the Northeast. Ken Scampi was going to drive the truck to bring the guardrails to EC, to the ECW arena. In no. return, Ken Scampi was either going to wrestle someone or was going to be able to just work with someone in the ring earlier in the night. And Ken Scampi's still alive, and he will tell you this story. So he drove the truck all the way from New York to Philly and get, gave the guardrails to ECW. I was the person responsible for handing, handling the money to Mass Maniac for the guardrails. And this is how I got first introduced to the Mass Maniac. For him coming through, because we this was short notice and Mass Maniac really came through. I mean, look, he was a total asshole towards you, and I don't speak to him anymore because you're my friend and I take your side, and and I don't regret that at all. At that time, he came through for XPW, so my father, being in catering, somehow we got in this conversation and I was like, look, you know, if you, you know, if I could ever help you with something, maybe, you know, you want me to push some things online. And somehow my father's store got involved. Maybe like my phone went off and I'm like, I got to call talk to my father. He's at the deli. Yeah. So we ended up, I was going to bring catering to the mass maniacs next wrestling show. Hmm. First time I was ever backstage at a USA pro wrestling event. And I went, when I went back there, there was an altercation with Chris Candido and Loki got into an argument. 
I don't know what the argument was about. Mass Maniac knows the whole story. And Loki got so angry at Chris Candido, he threw the chair at either at Candido or threw it down the hall because he was angry. Tammy Sitch happened to be there. He didn't hmm. throw it at her, but he almost hit her with it. Right. And, you know, he, he, he ne- I don't think he ever apologized for it, anything like that. And that's where it got twisted because some people said to her online, hey, you know, uh, I heard Loki threw a chair at you once. That's not how it happened. He threw a huh. chair and she happened to be right near there and it almost hit her. And again, right. Mass Maniac's alive. He will vouch for what I said a thousand percent over. But getting back to um, I'm trying to think like why even brought to- oh, with the CZW stuff. So now, you know, CZW, we're in the building and we're trying to pass out flyers to get a little exposure for XPW. And somehow one of the wrestlers in the ring or standing a ringside uh, found out that we were in the building representing XPW to pass out flyers. Mm. And Timmy Arson, God rest his soul, had a lot of friends in wrestling and there were fans there that knew who he was. And they were mingling with him, talking to him. He went on the other side of the building to say hello to a few people. And then he came back over to us. And he's like, listen, guys, uh, CZW knows we're here. Um, We got to get the fuck out of here. All right, because, you know, like he thought that there might be an altercation. Like either they throw us out of the building, someone might fucking strong arm us. I mean, Timmy Austin was a big boy. He could defend himself, but he didn't want no trouble. So what we did was we threw the flyers in the air and fucking just chucked them at everybody inside the building. And we ran out of there, hopped into my fucking Pontiac Sunfire and raced back to Queens, New York. (laughs) So, see, that's why I love these shows. We get to tell little stories that... Yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, but um, with the AEW... You know, it's going to have that hardcore, you know, thing about it. It's going to do, but, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to see DJ White Sox wants to know, do we think AEW will end up being on a major cable channel? Look, look at, you could pay money and be on a cable channel. Right. So you could have Don Tony, Kevin Castle and Wrestling Soup on WGN next week. If we paid the money, because okay, the way to think of it we is get like, like a five a.m. time slot, but <laughs> well, no, we could probably get an eleven p.m. time slot on like a Sunday or something like that. Absolutely. The thing is, is that you got to pick the infomercial time slots, right? You do it. I mean, info- infomercials. Exactly. Look, you have to think how much does an infomercial pay to get a slot? Because they they do get them. They get them a lot. Mm-hmm. And an infomercial is literally a small budget trying to make money off of what they sell. Right. That's what ECW used to do. Right. So the idea that you can't get television, dude, we could be on radio tomorrow if if, if we cleaned up our act and by the FCC rules and paid our way through. Absolutely. And it's not as if we couldn't do that. The shows could very well afford on a level of some of that stuff, but we're not going to be TV stars. We're not trying to be radio DJs. You know? Yeah. I'm not trying to land a gig to work there. You know, that's the sad thing that pisses me off out of all of this. Seriously. Mm. People go back and listen to every word that I said about All In and everything that I said about AEW. All right. My criticism about AEW last six months, or not last six months, last six to eight weeks, had nothing to do with AEW. It was the internet 
and the websites and the podcasts and the perception and AJ Styles is contemplating on leaving WWE. That's what I had the problem with. And I challenged everyone online, you know, the other day and I was serious about it. I'll give anybody a hundred bucks that could give me a segment over the last six, seven weeks that I talked about AEW and said anything bad about Cody or right. Conrad or any. I haven't said two fucking things. The saying Nick Jackson earlier doesn't know what he's talking about. I think it's the first time. Well, we've said negative things about Cody and Conrad, but we've never said anything negative about the idea of AEW. It's been the fanboyism. It's been the bullshit. But the actual company, we never said a negative word about Tony Khan. We never said a negative word about Chris Jericho or anybody else going in there. You know, I mean, hell, Joey was even very positive on the fact that Billy Gunn's in there. He's like, well, good for him. Brother got to get paid. So, yeah, it's a business. It's the way it is. It's a business. Like I said, Cody and the Young Bucks, you know, seem to be clean cut, you know, not troublemakers on the outside, but they're not fucking altar boys. You know, they're going to capitalize. Like I said, I'm going to keep pushing it. They AEW is going to be the first millennial wrestling promotion. And some people out there won't even have a clue of why I say that. But as you witness what is being written on, look, there was a website today saying that AEW's already changed the landscape of pro wrestling. I rest my case. You know what I mean? Like over and over and over again, you're getting nonsense like this. Right. And, and Cody, in my opinion, I know we disagree on a lot of this. And I wrote on Twitter earlier today to Pandora. I said, hey, Pandora, I said, thank you for uh, bringing my content to Pandora Radio. I said, if I could make a strong suggestion, please consider Wrestling Soup. Yeah, They're dedicated. They work their asses off. And they don't go into a frenzy and they don't lose their shit when people disagree with them. No. And I and I meant that not to kiss your ass, but you and I are on the opposite. It's obvious you and I are on the opposite sides of about sure. Conrad and AW. And, you know, you're not the moral police in any way, shape or form. You're taking the side of the podcasters who you feel got manipulated. And I totally respect that. And I think that is awesome of you to do. And a lot of people should appreciate that that you're taking that stance. Me, I look at it at the sausage making of pro wrestling, and I think Conrad and Cody and him are not geniuses, but are very smart, and they see where their bagel is being buttered. Right. Right. Those podcasts, those websites, those over-the-top fans, and again, 99% of what I say is not directed towards fans that are excited. It's great right. to be excited like this in wrestling. Look at fucking the Baron Corbin crap. I mean, I don't want to single him out, but it's great to be excited again about wrestling and, and the unknown and thinking AEW could be the new ECW. All right, just not in hardcore wrestling, but that relationship with the fans. Nothing wrong with that, but no. you see the over-the-top crap online. That's who I have the that's, problem with. Right, that's the issue is the over-the-top shit. Yeah. That's been our issue. And wow. anything that we said yesterday and today, people are going to look back on it and be like, spot fucking on. Just like mm-hmm. Becky Lynch, when oh. she first started feuding with Charlotte, and you threw out all of those comments that two, three months later, you listened back at it, and everything you said, 100% spot on. Yeah. So, you know, I... 
I absolutely see. I don't even have it. And here's the interesting thing too is, and and I'm not going to toot my own horn on this, but you and Joe uh, have ties into wrestling. Kevin has his own ties too, but in the entertainment you know, world, you and Joe, you and Joe specifically have worked inside the business. Joey still works inside the business. You guys have a better understanding on how this works from the inside. Most of my I, I guess you want to say most of the things I see is based upon perception right. is based upon remembering how things used to be and seeing how they are today. It's literally looking at something and, and delving on what the positives and negatives are of that being presented. That's why it's like, yeah, it's nice when I was right about Becky Lynch and it was nice seeing how her rebellious character went on to a different level and people are absolutely gaga for her. great. That's fucking fantastic. But at that same point where people don't want to recognize it is they look at something where I say something negative about AEW. Yes, Cody Rhodes was a dick to me. Absolutely. Him and his wife were were dicks to me personally. Um, but at that same point, even if you disregard Cody Rhodes and you disregard Brandy and you take a look at the AEW promotion as a whole, you start stepping back and you start looking at all the flaws you start looking back and going, why are they kissing so much ass on this? Well, it's part of wrestling. Oh, well, let's see what happened at the rally. Why are they kayfabing the whole rally? Why was the whole fucking rally kayfabe? It was all in character. Right. That and nobody points that out. They're like, well, oh, I, they're did you see? Cheeky. Right. But did you uh, notice my immediate thought after Jericho signed it yesterday? My immediate comment was, he just signed it with the last name Jericho. Right, but I mean the whole the whole rally yesterday was kayfabe. Right, like they That's were. That's what wrestling is. Yeah, but not when signings come around. When there's MMA signings or boxing signings or football signings. If this company is going to be the gigantic conglomerate that they think it could be, do you think that Chris Jericho is going to sign any type of a deal where the guy you know with sweatshirt and jeans in the corner? You know, with no one else around, and even if even if lawyers examined everything leading up to that day and said, "God, Chris, you could sign everything is good. I'm going to do it live on camera." Mm. All right, that's just in the history of pro wrestling. Contract signings are kayfabe. Yeah, it's 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 a it's just an entertainment version of what you're actually seeing. Right, right. I just look at it that I have a, a view of this that AEW is triggering emotion and AEW is doing this. They see the publicity online. Even if they didn't do this press conference yesterday, they would have still gotten tons and tons of publicity today. Sure. And, you know, again, it's the first millennial wrestling promotion. They're going to target people online and use emotions. Uh, the the women have an equal pay. Why was that even needed to be said in 2019? Because they're trying to make it a political agenda. Exactly. Triggering emotion. I, see, when, Brandy, was, when Brandy wrote. That's not a good thing to kayfabe people. Well, it's, if people fall for it. Pretty, man. If, if they see droves of people falling for it. God bless them. That's how I look at it. I know it's fucked up, but this uh, is the uh, wrestling business. It's not, it's not, it's not, um, church. I know I, I get, yeah, but if it was any other company in the world and you said, oh yeah, men and women are getting paid equally. And then went, 
suckers. I'm not going to watch they AEW. Would get, they would be eviscerated by the fucking media. I am not watching AEW because a woman and a man, depending on where they are in the car, are getting paid the same. I'm watching it because I'm entertained. But there are people online, like what you saw me and Joey going, sure. dealing with people earlier, who went and took what Brandy said and twisted it how they wanted the answer to be. Yesterday, right. we did Breakfast Soup Live, and within an hour of her saying that, I told everybody what she meant. Yeah, you got it. And it, I was 1,000% correct. But yeah. you see, that's the difference. AEW sees how you could say something and people will twist it to fit their agenda, to fit what feels good inside, to fit what is right. You know, like I'm a Trump supporter, sure. right? People ignore that I keep saying that I'm pissed off that Trump removed the salt tax here in New York. Fucked my father really, really bad. My parents are going to Florida next month. They're trying to sell the, one of their condos in Florida because they're getting hammered in taxes in New York this year, eaten alive. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Everybody, but what you read online, oh, DT's an over the top obsessed Trump supporter. I criticize Trump also. But nobody wants to pay attention to that. No, because right. it's more shocking for them to sit there and say, oh, he's an Alex Jones Trump supporter. Right. And there are Trump supporters out there as well that will justify every little bit of what Trump does. Look at the wall thing. I wrote this last night. And I'm, I know I'm a thousand percent right. The Democrats want Trump to fail. And this has to do with AEW. The Democrats want Trump to fail. And... Democrats don't give a fuck about $5 billion. Look at things like Solyndra, the amount of money they gave to Iran and everything else. They don't give a shit about $5 billion. So if the wall was really going to be a total failure, common sense, the Democrats would say, go ahead, Trump, build it. Because it'll be built before 2020. It'll be a failure. And that's what they could run on in 2020. See, he built the wall and it was a total failure. The reason why they throw it's immoral, it's racist, is this, is that, because they know the wall will work. And they're trying to prevent the wall from being built because if the wall gets built and it is a tremendous success in keeping drugs out and keeping illegal immigration, cutting it down dramatically, Trump runs on that in 2020. Mm -hmm. So for everybody out there that thinks the wall is a disaster, even more of a reason why the Democrats would tell him, God, build it, build it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We'll, we'll even dig the hole for you right. for the foundation. So, but the thing is, is that people are so blind that it's this, this, and that. Somebody said to me today, oh, DT, you, you mean to tell me you can't climb a wall? And my answer to him was, you know, not everybody's an American gladiator. If I know that I have to drive a thousand miles and then I'm going to be greeted by a fucking 20, 30 foot wall and it's not a fucking flat slab and it's these like triangle fucking things that you can't even throw a hook on it and try to climb over it. It's a deterrent. It's not the be all end all. They need fucking the, the people, the security at the border. Drones are a great thing. There is a lot of things that they need to do also. But when you add a major deterrent, that will prevent some people. I'm sorry. You, this video clips a fucking obese fucking 
you know, illegal Mexicans trying to cross the border, climbing over the wall. And it looks like a bad cartoon that they get near the top. And you see that woman? She got near the top and then she fell backwards. She didn't get hurt, but it was funny. Not everybody's an American gladiator. Oh, we could just climb the wall. No problem. It's a deterrent. When you have 10 different obstacles, I'm sorry, a lot of people are going to be like, fuck it, I'm going to stay home and watch Vila Alegre instead. So it's not the fucking be-all, end-all, but it's a deterrent. You know, my right. father has security cameras in the house here, in, you know, in Rockaway where they live. But they also have other means of security as well. Not one thing is the ultimate solution, but all of them together, you know, it will deter some like, fuck it, it's not worth it. Right. And And if you could still climb it over, it may take you five hours to do it instead of 30 minutes. So yeah. by the time five hours comes around, you know, you're going to be greeted with all these fucking border patrol. And shit. So, but, but again, you got people that are so blinded, on both sides, supporting Trump and against Trump. I don't think the wall is the complete solution. I also feel that everybody who is in this country already illegally should be able to stay. Sure. You would never okay. hear any fucking big time hardcore Trump supporters say that. That's how I feel. But people will only focus on what makes them feel good what fits their agenda, what right. what puts an exclamation point on something that they support. And with AEW, fans will want to be excited. I'm excited too because if it's entertaining and it's good and I like it, it's another form of entertainment that I love. All right, But I am not going to fucking watch AEW because women and men are getting paid equal. There was no even reason to even say that yesterday. It should be assumed. It should be common sense. It should be everyday business. You know, they, but it was said to trigger emotion and Brandy Rhodes got what she were in te- their intentions were yesterday. That's why when she wrote what she wrote earlier, I wrote plus one. Not because, hey, I was right, but because she did exactly i'm not a big listen i'm gonna make something perfectly clear i don't like cody rhodes i don't mm. give a shit about brandy rhodes all right she, she look she seems like a nice person she's attractive they look nice together as a couple i don't give a shit about either one of them i right. wish them well and i hope they have success and i fucking love how them and conrad you know, they see dollar signs and they see ways. I know it sounds fucked up to you and they're manipulating indifference, but they're throwing something out there and they are allowing people to interpret it any way they can. It's just that when it gets really, really over the top, then they have to make a clarification. But that's the right. wrestling business. That's how the sausage is made. And unfortunately, a lot of people get suckered. A lot of people, you know, these pot, like we talked about yesterday, you know, nobody forced anybody to blow crazy amounts of money like that. Nobody forced anybody to put all their eggs in, in a basket thinking that this is going to be the next fucking number two promotion in the country. If you're a fan and you're excited, by all means, enjoy it. Hopefully, it will deliver what you anticipate. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this somewhat different edition of 